What's going on, guys? Nikhil and Lucas back for another episode of Hip Hop Hype Hour. Last one of the year, man. Finally yep. here. Um, year end. This is the one that, I mean, I've been anticipating this one for a while. I'm sure you have too, because I've kind of been hyping it up a little bit over the past three months, right? Like, oh, we're going to we're gonna talk about this in our recap. And then like anytime a new album drops, it's like, oh, this is our opinion now, but we'll revisit it at the end of the year. And right. here we are. It's been finally. such a long year. Yeah, because, you know, there's been so much stuff coming out and I think my opinion has changed on, on so many of, of these projects. So it's really uh, good for us to be able to revisit and reshare our thoughts. Cause you know, there's some things I, I wish I could go back and you know, put my foot in my mouth and other yeah. things I'm like, yeah, this, this stood the test of time. Yeah, so. exactly. So we'll be able to um, touch on all right. The that. wrong, right. The record. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it really comes full circle for us. Too. I mean, we've been doing this for what, almost nine months now. And we yeah. started off with an episode like this and now we get to finish off the year and this season with another episode like this. Um, I guess a few shout outs are appropriate here since we're rounding off the year. So, I mean, first of all, obviously shout out to all the listeners. Um, we, I don't think we expected as many people to listen to this stuff as they, as how, how many people actually did. Right. Cause right, I think before right. the expectation was obviously we started it as just an experiment. We were like, all right, let's see how this goes. And then like, we'll go from there. Right. It was just one episode. Um, right. And then now we're here at like, this is number 39, I think. I'm starting to lose count. So that goes to show how many <laughs> we've done. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that we're getting like 20 to 30 listeners per episode now, I mean, it's great. Like, first of all, it's great to know that people actually want to listen to what we have to say. And the other cool thing is like, I don't think that's just people that I know or you know. I think that we did catch like a few randoms just using like the spotify or maybe even the apple algorithm that just yep. found it uh we had one episode in particular that somehow some way got like 300 to 400 streams and i know it almost like doubled our follower count so that was really cool to see so yeah i mean just shout out to everyone who's been listening appreciate the support and we're not going anywhere so we'll hope that y'all will stick around um obviously shout out to our guests because we've mm-hmm. had like mm-hmm. They're almost four or five, six throughout, especially over like the past uh, four months in particular, yeah. right? Um, everyone who's been on here has done a great job. And those have been my favorite episodes, honestly. I think you've said the same thing, right? When we yeah. get someone else on here and then- So fun to have a different opinion. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's been really great having everyone. Hopefully we can keep getting yeah. more people on here. But yeah, huge thanks to all those people. Yep. And shout out to you, of course. I mean, you're 50% of this. No podcasts unless there's both of us uh, putting in 50% effort. So shout out to you, man. You know, you've been <laughs> driving a lot of this and you were the guy who said, hey, let's do this. Let's sit down and record this. So it wouldn't have been possible without you. So yeah, I mean, I uh, appreciate how easy it is to do this. I mean, especially in a remote world, um, uh-huh. you can argue that in a lot of ways, it's easier to get this done remotely. We, maybe we're sacrificing audio quality a little bit, but um, so far, I haven't heard any complaints. So We'll just, we'll just keep rolling with what we've been doing. Um, other than that, I hope everyone's been enjoying the uh, little superlative lists that I've been posting this mm-hmm. week. Uh, we So we've already, at the time that this is being recorded, so I'm going to put this out on the 31st. So that's when this episode is going to drop. But uh, so far, the two lists that we've put out are you know, your top five albums, which will all of them will be touched on. So I'm not going right. to get into them right now because we're going to go through the whole list. Obviously, my top five albums and then the ones that I have yet to post that will be posted by the time this episode is out. Um, 
five most anticipated of 2022 for both mm-hmm. you and for me. And I think that's the episode we'll probably kick off the new year with is like, all right, what are we looking forward to? Right. In the next. Let, let's set the scene. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. What, what do we have in terms of news? Cause I actually did not look much into it. Like all my prep for this episode was spent into making sure that I have all my thoughts gathered for all of the music that dropped this past. Right. Week. I know it was, it was a little slow this past, uh, you know, we didn't give any news last episode mm-hmm. cause we wanted to get into it. So, I mean, there's some stuff to touch on there. Uh, but you know, really like this past week, it was kind of slow, but there were a few mm-hmm. things I want to say. Jeremiah was, a. Uh, really prophetic in his prediction on on uh frank ocean because oh, yeah, that's what yeah, we yeah. ended up getting we ended up getting like a <laughs> eight minute freestyle from frank ocean on, right. on a podcast so it was um, on uh apple music he, he they brought back blonded radio i think that's yeah exactly was, so. so that was that's really cool to hear so look mm-hmm. at that you know we were just talking about what if and and boom it happens so mm-hmm. um that was something that happened and also nas released like a little ep right it's called magic it was actually really enjoyable i really enjoyed listening to it so you can go ahead and check it out it's a christmas present from from a legend right um and we have one of his albums talk about on this year endless uh but other than that you know i didn't really have anything that hit my radar this past week you know i i I know that there was something that you messaged me about maybe two weeks ago that Mm -hmm. i don't know if you want to touch on here but that was that um travis scott updated his profile picture Mm -hmm. on like streaming services and it seems like utopia yeah, yeah, yeah. So might we, be coming yeah we have a little bit of travis news to talk about believe it or not so uh, there's a few new developments and it's really like going back and forth like i have no idea what's going on in their right. camp like exactly because it's, it seems very like mysterious but yeah i mean as a lot of people know travis scott had utopia listed in his instagram bio and he took he removed that shortly after astroworld but it's resurfaced recently like it's come back and uh, his Apple Music profile picture changed. And usually mm-hmm. that kind of thing happens when an artist is very close to dropping music. So it got a lot of people curious. It's like, oh, like maybe Utopia still is coming in 2022 after all. Um, and, and there were a lot of crazy theories. They were like, oh, this is going to be his redemption arc, kind of like what happened to Kanye after he had all those controversies from like 06 to 2010. And then he dropped one of the greatest rap albums of all time, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if I buy into that really. Yeah. This is different. I mean, Kanye said some things, you know, in this case, people died. Uh, yeah, right. So it's a big difference. <laughs> it's a big difference um, in what we're dealing with here. Also with Travis on Christmas day, I think he was actually at a toy drive. So he was giving away a lot of toys to local communities in Houston, which is great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think people should be critical of this because it's not the first time he's done something like this. You know, you can argue that he might've done this even had Astro not happen, right? Sure, sure. Obviously, does it help his public image? Yes, because sometimes in like court situations like this, a lot of times lawyers will recommend community service even before mm-hmm. the trial, right? They'll say, oh, this is going to get you brownie points with the judge or whatever, right? Right. So it's possible that it could be a little bit of a play there, but I don't think so just because Travis has done stuff like this for his community before. So I think this was just something he was planning on doing anyway. Mm-hmm. The last bit of news is that the Dior collaboration with Travis Scott that they had been yep. planning for a while was dropped. I mean, he, he, he's been dropped from Coachella. I think we already mentioned that. But um, didn't he get dropped new. with Nike too? Or they pause like Nike so releases? The or... thing with Nike is I don't think they're going to drop him entirely just because like that's a huge loss of money on both ends. Right. I think they'll probably just pause the release of any new shoes. And 
what people got to realize is unlike a lot of other brands with Nike, you know, Cactus Jack is not one of those brands you can, that's always available, right? They always drop intermittently. Right. So they, they can really, they don't even have to make a statement if they don't want to, they can just not do anything and then just wait it out and see what happens. And I think that's what they'll probably do. Um, but yeah, the Dior collaboration, that was a big deal. And that, that probably mm-hmm. did involve a lot of money, but I guess Dior decided that it's in their best interest to not move forward right now. So the saga continues and it probably will for a while, but we'll, right. we'll see what happens over the next several months. Yeah, there will be a lot of interesting developments related to that story. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's get into the good stuff here. So for those who have been with us since the beginning, y'all remember how we did our 2020 recap back in March. We went through all the major releases that we listened to or that we mm-hmm. liked Um well, I don't want to say the latter that we listened to because we didn't like all of them, right? <laughs> that is so, true. Yeah. Definitely true. Yeah. So we, we've got a lot of albums to get through this time. Obviously, there is going to be stuff that you know is not on the list just because like we weren't super interested in it to begin with or never right. got around to it. So and we, we can't talk about every single release because we would have like a 10 hour episode. <laughs> but um, I think what we should do is let, let's get started because I know you have a few albums on your yep. radar that are a little bit more eclectic alternative. Yeah, they're more underground. Yeah, exactly. And, that and they, I, they released at the beginning of the year, right. right? Yeah. And that I didn't really listen to and that a lot of our listeners might not actually know about anyway. I, I can list a few of them right off the bat. So that I know there is a, by the time I get to Phoenix, right? Injury mm-hmm. Reserve was one of them. That was in your honorable mentions uh, for top albums, right? You had um, Pray for Haiti. That was another one. That was in your top two, number two, yep. actually. Yep, that was number and, two. And then you had Haram. So that was another one you had number one on your albums for this year. Anything else that I'm missing other than yeah, those three? Uh, sometimes I might be introvert, Little Sims. That, that's right. a good That project. was an honorable yeah. mention as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Why don't um, you uh, get us started by just getting those out of the way? And then we'll yeah, yeah, get sure. into the stuff that we can both discuss, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for, yeah, sure. for these projects, these were projects that I, I really enjoyed a lot. Um, not as mainstream, but you'll see them on a lot of like year end lists from big publications. So I yeah. know that like, Sometimes I Might Be Introvert has been ranking in top 10 all over, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Pitchfork and like NPR, like it's all over. Um, so I guess I'll start with that project. Like, you know, that, that released around the time of like Donda and CLB. And a lot of people are saying that was the best project to come out in that like couple weeks span. Uh, and, and so I really enjoyed the project uh, just because it's like, it's first off, it, Little Sims is a British artist. So I'm not like a big fan of UK rap most of the time, right? Um, I think that there's some like weird styles that, that doesn't like translate well for me. Uh, but that Little Sims, the project just has like kind of like a timeless quality. It definitely is one of those projects you can just replay and every song has like an energy to it uh, that just makes it really worth listening. So that, that's why it wasn't top five for me is just because I don't really vibe with UK rap a lot. But I thought that, you know, for the most part, the project is very entertaining. It's a lot of fun and great energy. So I, I felt it needed to be shout out. And uh, on the other side, my other honorable mention by the time I get to Phoenix, Injury Reserve. Uh, this album was written after the loss of one of the members of Injury Reserve. Um, so in a way, it's kind of like 808 and Heartbreaks if it was more glitchy, right? It's like a very glitchy take on 808 and Heartbreaks. The rapping isn't really rapping so much as auto-tune singing, um, but there's just really some very different takes on hip-hop in this project so some shout outs so you got songs like uh knees is a fantastic song wild wild west is kind of like a 
glitchy distorted version of an old will smith track uh there's just like a lot of really fun songs on this project but at the same time there's like this take on handling loss that you're not going to hear and, and like dealing with that in a personal growth way that you haven't heard on many projects besides things like 808s and heartbreak so i think if you really like that project by kanye definitely check out uh by the time i get to phoenix it's a really great take on the genre it's very different than what you'll normally hear so now let me get into my top two, right? So a lot of people probably saw these and were like, what the heck? So, so starting with Pray for Haiti. So I had to shout out something from the Griselda camp because uh, I think they've just been on such a run this year. You know, Benny the Butcher, West Side Gun. Tyler even said, you know, Griselda, West Side Gun inspired him to be rapping again. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to shout out someone from Griselda. And if I have to pick a Griselda album, this is the one. So Pray for Haiti, the thing about this is Mac Hami, uh, is a Haitian artist, right? So mm -hmm. this album um, is like just seeped in this culture. And I think that it's such a refreshing take on hip hop, right? So like for so many projects we hear, we, we get like this American view on crime, this American mm -hmm. view on like violence and, and racism. And Mac Homme is taking this from a perspective of Haiti, like the mm -hmm. problems with crime, the problem with drugs, the, the evolution of the language. There's just so much interesting perspective in this album. But at its core, it's still like a 90s boom bap gangster rap, like reminiscent of um, Wu-Tang and all these other old hip hop collaboratives. So like the sound is like very classic sound that people will be familiar with, but there's Creole, there's Haitian influence. So I think it's just a very refreshing take on the genre. Mm -hmm. And I think it really opens the way for more of these kind of regional hip hop albums to make it big. Right. Like I'm really excited for the future to see maybe more like Latin American country representation and mainstream hip hop, um, you know, like from the dirty, gritty sounds. I'm not talking about the pop sound. Right. Like I know yeah. there's pop artists that have already kind of explored that. Um, so what I find interesting, actually, is like uh, interjection here. I, I, I don't know why this like I, I drew this connection in my mind. But when you think of an album and you were talking about how this like representation of things like from like another lens or like in another country or something mm -hmm. like that right but when you look at like some pimp a butterfly right obviously that was in the context of you know the united states but there are so many themes in that album trying to like uh connect it to apartheid in south africa and right, stuff, right right with like zulu and thosa and things like that so i i just think that's interesting and because it's not necessarily never been done before but like Kendrick did that to some extent it, with those like themes from South Africa and Sapimba Butterfly. And I think right. he made those connections very well. So uh, yeah, definitely. I, I think there's a lot of room, like creative room for that, for artists to do things like that. Right. And so that that's why I think that this project is a standout and number two on my list, because it's like great as an album, right? It's great mm -hmm. thematically, but also it's got great tracks like Criminal, 26 Letter, Blockchain. Like they're just really hard hitting uh, rap tracks that you don't hear as much anymore besides from the Griselda camp and like Gibbs right mm -hmm. so um I love that project really think that that deserves to be listened to if you're a fan of like 90s rap at all it's it's up there um so finally to get to my number one project right uh Haram mm -hmm. so this is like we were talking about this album though so we actually posted like a blurred picture of the album mm -hmm. cover right so yeah. for anyone out there it's like it's a very graphic uh, album cover so like be warned about that right um and i think that that really just like reflects what the album's all about right so i know it can be it's a very like controversial name and the and the picture of the album cover is also quite like can be unsettling mm -hmm. but it's just this take by um 
you know, Billy Woods and Euclid and an alchemist on these like very controversial topics in society. And, and really the reason why it's my top album is it paints such a picture, right? It's like the best atmosphere I've heard from any hip hop project this year. It's very dark and gritty. Um, the lyrics are very apocalyptic, right? There's a lot of imagery of like um, things falling apart, dirt, smog, pollution, like issues. They tackle like a lot of the issues going on like head on, right? And the imagery, listen to the tracks like Stone Fruit or Chicharrones and like the imagery in those tracks from the lyrics, you're not getting that from anyone else in hip hop right now. So it's, I'll acknowledge it's very experimental and it's not like super easy to digest. But if you're a believer that like hip hop can be art, this project is without a doubt the best work of art from hip hop from anyone this year. And, and that like, I definitely think the best track on there, Falling Out the Sky, you got Earl Sweatshirt doing a, a really great contribution to this project. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else I can say about this besides that, right? Like it's very atmospheric. It takes some listening to get into, but if you think that hip hop can be art, this project is like the epitome of that. It's the, the prime example I could think of from this year. So that's why I earned the number one spot on my list. Uh, and, you know, I think that's it for my underground albums. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that. Um, I'm not even gonna <laughs> attempt to debate just because I don't listen to highly experimental underground hip hop like that. Maybe I'll get into it one day. Maybe that's, you know, something that I this might is your have call to, out to check it out. This I might have to start doing right. Just to be able to, you know, keep up in that sense. But, um, obviously my, I mean, most of y'all have probably seen it already, but my list, we, and, you know, that's not to say we didn't have any commonalities in our list, right? We had right. two, almost three albums out of our five that were the yep. same, whether the yep. or like different order, um, but, you know, they were common. But I think it's very clear based on especially our top three, like where where our roads kind of diverge, right, in terms of what we listen to. And that's fine. I mean, everyone's entitled to listen to what kind of music they want, because the end of the day, it's about being entertained. Um, obviously, right. To some extent, what resonates with you. Yeah. To some extent, um, you will be a more seasoned and a more cultured uh, hip hop fan <laughs> if you are able to get into um, different types of music that's not necessarily super mainstream. But uh, you know, there, there's levels to it, and I, I, what right. I mean, I'll, I'll get to that later on uh, with some of these albums. Is what I mean when I say there's levels to this. Um, but before we do that, I, I, and or get into like the rest of the stuff for 2021. Um, let me kind of just set the tone and paint the picture for like what we had going on this year. So yep. obviously I think it's safe to say 2021 was probably the best year for hip hop since like 2018, right? Uh, 2018, when I look back on it, it, it was a really terrific year for rap just because we had a lot of really, really great major releases of rap. Even 2017 was really good because that's when we mm -hmm. got the last Kendrick project, right? But I mean, you look at 2018. I mean, we had J. Cole, KOD, right? 2018, that was a big one. We had uh, My Dear Melancholy, a little EP from The weekend, which is R&B, but, you know, still, he, he's prominent enough to where I'll be able to throw him into the mix here. Um, right. I, I'm just thinking of my top artist right now, by the way. I'll, I'll let you share some of yours. But uh, Scorpion, obviously, big release. Astroworld, big release. So you can see like major, major artists were dropping in 2018. We had a future mixtape over the summer that year as well. So 2018 was solid. 2019 was just, I, I don't remember much of what happened in 2019. I remember Gunna had a project, but like, yeah. I can't even think really off the top of my head, like, man, what was like a huge release that happened? It was kind of an off year for a lot of artists, right? Um, right. 
at least for me, it felt really, really dead. And then we jumped to 2020 and it started off pretty great, right? We had stuff like, you know, obviously After Hours, one of the bigger projects of the year, Eternal mm-hmm. Take. Um, we also got, uh, well, technically Eternal Take Deluxe as well falls into that mix. Don Tolliver's debut. And then later on in the summer, we had uh, Gunna with his de- or studio album, Wanna. Uh, 21 Savage and Metro later in the year. Um, yep. A whole lot Savage of Red Kid Cudi. So we got a few great projects, right? But they were very, very spread out throughout the year. Yeah. It was kind of yeah. random, you know, kind of dodging the pandemic a little bit. Some artists decided to hold off their projects entirely. 2021 was like a massive resurgence, right? And we'll talk about all these albums here in just a second. We're getting there. We're almost there. But we started off very slow, right? Because I think right. COVID was really at its peak from like January to March. So you didn't really get much around then. And then we started the podcast in March and it was a little slow for us too at the beginning, because Mm -hmm, if if y'all remember, mm -hmm. we were doing artist spotlights over like just whoever we wanted at the time, because no one was even close to dropping. And then I think it really kicked off. It was summer. Well, in May, it really kicked off with the J. Cole project. I think that's what started it because we were able to do the J. Cole spotlight in line with the drop of the off season. And then slowly as festival season kicked in which yeah. was great by the way i mean rolling loud miami new york la Lollapalooza, uh day in vegas which we were fortunate enough to be at acl had a few rap performances as well so festival season was in full swing i think they did a good job obviously astroworld was the odd like the tragedy out of all of them but in terms of just like health and safety and covid and everything i think the festivals did a pretty good job of mm-hmm. keeping people safe mm-hmm. with their protocols and everything and there were a lot of great performances that happened at these festivals. But as festival season kicked in, you got the Tyler Project um, in June. Also got Doja Cat on the same day. Um, Isaiah Rashad later in the summer that yep. we'll talk about. And then really the stretch from August through to September, October is what October. Yeah is when we really got like, it seemed like every week we were getting like a major, major project. And I don't know yeah. if people caught on to this, but my top five all dropped within a span of about six or seven weeks, which I think oh, is pretty Because you're extending it through life of a dawn, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so yeah, so yeah. within that stretch, obviously the Donda rollout was like a month long, right? Yeah. From like July through like late, late July through late August. And then as soon as Donda ends, we get CLB like five days later. Then we got Melodic, Melodic Blue, like Blue a week or two later. Yep. Then we got Life of a Dawn from there. Then we got Punk. Then we got Wildest Dreams, Maja Jordan, right? So <laughs> you see what's happening, right? You just you right. got major release after major release, which was really, really awesome. Uh, that, that was a really great stretch. And then it kind of tapered off towards the end because I thought we were still going to get drops like Utopia and The Dawn and Kendrick's project right. later in the year. But it seems like they've been pushed back now, which is fine because that means 2022 is also going to be a great year for music, which is right. You know, right. I'm fine with them saving stuff for the next year. But uh, yeah, I mean, th- that's kind of the uh, picture that we have said. It's a very slow opening, but then May kind of kicked it off and then we get like this slow but like really fun build up until late summer and early and it's an avalanche and we just get an onslaught and then now we're kind of in the cool down phase as we're gearing up for 22 one of the themes i will say though with all of these releases is that and i think this has a lot to do with streaming being more prominent than ever because if you think about it so not only streaming but also tiktok because Mm -hmm. this is really 
like uh, uh, this was a huge year for music and TikTok as like a synonymous package because TikTok first became a thing for a whole year in 2019, right? That's when it really started right. popping off. And then 2019 was kind of a down year for music a little bit. I mean, you did have viral songs like The Box and everything that we've talked about in the past. And then obviously 2020 was pandemic year. Like, right, and like, that just took an ass, like, you know, it just took off. Yeah, so it was not a great year for music, but 2021 has but been TikTok an awesome took year off for music. Yeah, 2021 has been an awesome year for music and massive growth for TikTok. So the two coming together has really been interesting. And we I've talked about this in the past, and I've said that I think TikTok and with how many people stream music now and how accessible everything is, replay value and longevity of albums just as a general trend keeps going down and mm -hmm. you start seeing a lot of repetitiveness on albums. So if there is one drawback that I've seen of this year, it's been that I think a lot of albums have had very, very, very horrible replay value and they've felt old or gotten old for me like quicker than ever. Like there's yeah. been some albums that I was surprised at how quickly I got bored of them. And there's been multiple albums and I'm going to, I'm going to identify this when we talk about every single album, but there's too many albums this year that I just felt were very repetitive and kind of had the same song over and over and over again yes. throughout their yes. progression. The same even, sound. If, even if they got played a lot, even if they were popular and were received very well, I got that perception out of a lot of these projects. Um, that's my big picture stuff that I want to say before we get into these specific albums. Anything you wanted to add? Yeah, you know, I could not agree more with that. Um, and, and, you know, for me, one thing in my 2021 is, and I know you're, I'm going to get flack for me from this, mm -hmm. is like, God, I just want the Atlanta trap scene to like fade into the background for just a minute. Like, I feel like we got so much like people trying to rip that sound or people mm -hmm. doing that sound. Like we mm -hmm. got Polo G, we got Voice of Heroes, we got Culture 3. And, and you know, we got some releases here at the end of the year where I, I'm it's just really, <laughs> I'm kind of tired of it for a little bit. So that's my big takeaways. Like that was the dominant sound this year. And also like pop rap. I think pop rap because of TikTok just like really was had a huge year, right? Like, I don't yeah. know if it's ever had as big of a year. Uh, you know, this is just some numbers, you know, that I saw this post the other day. It's like the top 100 rap songs streamed on Spotify. Mm -hmm. um, number one and two are Lil Nas X songs, mm -hmm. uh, Montero and Industry Baby. Montero mm -hmm. had 1.189 billion streams. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, third yeah. was cat with need to know at 509 million well, i was surprised that they put need to know in there because you know right. it's, it's more one of those things that i will agree that i think most of what doja cat does is in the hip-hop space now but um, need to know been, is not yeah need to know is not and yeah, <laughs> yeah the features she's been doing i mean she's been featured on like young thug and she's working with a, a lot of rappers now and delivering delivering rap verses i would say more than she's making pop hits like kiss me more and need to know but I still think it's a little weird that they would classify need to know as rap, right? That, that, that is just a classic, you know, pop. It has that formula. Right. Right. But, but anyways, just to get some more like, uh, you know, stats in here, you know, the most songs, like the arts with the most songs in the top 100 was Drake with 13 songs mm -hmm. in the top 100 most streamed on Spotify. So that, you know, his numbers never went away. Then you had Kanye and J. Cole mm -hmm. and Little Baby at five. Mm -hmm. um, and then so, the most mm, features. Mm. Well, let, let's talk about that real quick. So uh, you said, all right, as we go through this list, Lil Nas X, Doja Cat, Drake, Kanye, J. Cole. What do all of them have in common about 2021? A pretty obvious answer. It's very They, they released an album. They released an album. What did Lil, <laughs> Lil Baby, Baby do? Well, okay. okay. Technically, he did. Voice of Voice Heroes. Of Heroes. Voice of Heroes. But, yeah. Lil Baby did not drop a solo project in 2021. 
and still well okay okay i'm, I'm not gonna use that as ammo though just because <laughs> he was featured on cole he was featured on kanye he was featured on drake, on drake right? multiple right. times so right that's why he got the you know he was on the features that popped off like, but that's a different stat the different stat mm-hmm. is the most features on the list and mm-hmm. that's little baby with seven mm-hmm. travis polo g drake and dirk with four mm-hmm. each Mm-hmm. so little baby was on here a lot yeah little no, baby's I, a hacker. I, I told you i mean i said this multiple times little baby had the best feature around of 2021 and because yep. all of these major releases and think about it right kanye or donda nominated for grammy baby's on it clb nominated for grammy baby's on it j cole nominated for a grammy baby's on. you know what i mean <laughs> he's on all the hit songs you got my it was uh pride is the devil it was hurricane yep. it was wants and needs it was girls want girls right those are the yep, big you're right you're right you're right you're so, right yeah but anyway so that's just going back to what i was saying about the dominance of that like atlanta rap sound like your yeah. little baby polo g little dirk the artist of the most features outside of you know travis and drake which right. are both huge in their own right so it's just, yeah. So anyways, that's kind of the numbers I wanted to use to sum up the okay. year. Like the mainstream yeah. hip hop, you know, yes, that's yes, it. It's definitely. pop, big pop rap, big songs on, on TikTok. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's get into it. So we'll start going through our list here. Um, and also um, just, we did listen to these projects. I listened to all these projects yes, in the same past here, two same weeks. Here, same here, yeah. So I listened to some questions. of them, some of them more recently. So I'll, most of them were a re-listen for me. Right, right. Um, but a lot of these are projects that, you know, I have been listening to throughout the year. So I do have a pretty like well-formulated opinion on a lot of them. Um, I'll, we'll try not to spend too much time on each album just because we have a lot to get through. Um, but mm-hmm. what we'll do is uh, I guess we'll feature a few points uh debate if we need to and then we'll give our rating out of 10 and by the way so i just want to make this clear right now these ratings out of 10 or and i told you to be wary of this as well but i was super wary of this i went through and i rated each of these albums out of 10 like independently right so these ratings out of 10 are not like compared to each other right like if i give something like you know, the off season, a certain rating, I'm not basing my rating for Donda based on where I rated the off season. If I right. like Donda more, right. That's right. not how it should be done. These albums, at least for me, I rated them in the context of that album itself, like irrespective of everything else surrounding it. And also relative to that artist and what they've put out in the past. And also to some extent, what the expectations were for me from that project. So it's independent to that artist and that album's own independent expectations. You know, I'm not letting other factors come into play. So that's why I don't think there should be any alarm if we rank a particular project a higher number than something else that maybe is objectively better than it. But because the context is different, right? And it's being rated relative to you know stuff the artist has done in the past or right i think that the context you know what you're saying that's really important it's important and i think fantano i can't believe i'm actually giving (laughs) fantano a little bit of uh support here but i think one thing he does well is that he rates his albums out of 10 like with um criteria relating to that album itself compared to like what that artist has done in the past right right and right. sometimes people like if oh you rated ksi's album higher than clbs it's like okay yeah he did but he's rating that album relative to ksi stuff he's rating clb relative to drake's previous work right so it's impossible to when you're reviewing that many projects to not have inconsistencies if you perceive it that way but right. if you limit your scope of context then it makes a lot more sense here and right. by the way like a rating of six out of 10 is not necessarily bad. Like for me, the way I interpret the scale is like, 
six out of 10 is like decent. Five out of 10 is like average for me. Seven is good. Anything eight and above is like really, really great. And the 10 yeah, is like yeah. classic. I will tell you right now, I have no tens on the list. So yeah, I don't either. Because I, I think it's I too either. early maybe to say that. So there's no tens on the list here. Um, and then four and below is mid. And I think if you get to anything like less than three, you're looking at trash, right? So that's right. kind of the general scale here. So please don't interpret a six or even a five as I'm saying the album's bad because that's to, to me just average or decent borderline, not that great. So. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And the one thing I will say, though, is like, you know, even if, if it's like a zero on this list, you know, uh, it's still like a mainstream album. With like, you well, you zeros on your list. I'm not going to say that, but okay. <laughs> I, I know you're just going to try to piss me off. But um... we're zero, you know, like this artist is putting out a work of art. It's you there. can't do a z- it's one through ten. Just say one. This okay, like, even if it's one, for okay, God's sake, just give it, don't give it anything. Zero zeros. OK. Even if it's a one, right? Okay. Like it's still like a mainstream album. It's gonna be good, right? Like it's not gonna be like it, in very rare cases it would be unlistenable, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just like a personal preference, right? So there I think there's just... one on here that's unlistenable, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay, I think we might okay. be talking about the same album, but we'll I see. think we'll we see. are. I think we'll we see. are. But even that album, right, is still like a mainstream album. It's not like it's not complete and utter garbage. Someone will find value in it. That's what I'm trying sure. to say, okay. right? Like, just not me. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Not 90% of people who actually have a good taste in music. Um, okay. But someone could, like, sure. If, if that's what, you know, you vibe with, you know, that's what you vibe with, so. <laughs> Let's get into the list here. So first one up here, and I'm actually jumping all the way to almost like March or April. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, the first one I have up is Roadrunner by Brockhampton. So, yeah. Obviously, Brockhampton had been around for a while. Um, they've put, been putting out music for a while. What I thought about this album is I thought it had some good songs, but it was overall pretty inconsistent because I would like thought I would like a song. I'm like, oh, this is pretty decent. Then the next song would kind of be like, oh, I don't like this one. It would jump around a lot back and forth for me. I've never been the biggest fan of Brockhampton. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people who have been big fans and were huge fans in 2016, 2017, back when they right. were in saturation. saturation, right? Yep. That was a lot of people really, really love their music. And I think that was their prime. But I think since then, they've lost a lot of the hype they had going for them back then. Um, For me, this album was a five out of 10. I couldn't really figure out where to put it. It was like, I liked a few songs. I didn't like a few songs. It was just all right. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. That's my take on this one. So for me, you know, I, I kind of, I had like a somewhat similar opinion that there are some very weak tracks on this, right? Like, but I think that there's some like really strong highlights as well. Like Don't Shoot Up the Party, one of the best tracks of the year, along with Buzz Cut from with Danny Brown. You know, I thought I both did like that one. are really good. I actually think the whole album from the opening is pretty good up to Through the Light. And then it falls off and then it kind of closes strong too on a more like personal note. So I actually thought this was like a seven. Really? So I, I actually thought really good of this project. Um, like I said, there's some really good tracks that I'll re-listen to, like Don't Shoot Up the Party and uh, Buzz Cut. So you know, for me, this ended up in my rotation. I, I actually enjoyed this project quite a bit. Not as much as Saturations, of course. So that's why I can't give it higher than an eight because mm-hmm. I don't think it's Brockhampton's best work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's definitely good. And it's very, it also has some personal notes in there. So I, I you know, I like this project. 
Yeah, I mean, I listened to this project once or twice. That's it. Never entered my rotation. So right. uh, that's another factor. If it's not entering my rotation or if I got bored of it quickly, very hard for me to justify anything above a six. And that's a trend right. that you're going to notice here. If it doesn't get added to any playlists or if it's something that I don't listen to for more than two weeks, very hard to justify anything better than a six. That's mm -hmm. what you're going to find with my ratings on here. So we'll jump into the next one, Slime Language 2. So this was actually one of the first ones we talked about, actually, because it dropped right. like, you know, within uh, the first few weeks of when we started the podcast, right? I think overall, um, it had definitely had some bangers that did enter my heavy rotation, right? So like Diamonds Dancing and Solid were two big ones yep. in particular. But there just wasn't much going for me overall in here. You know, it's very, very bloated. Like there's so many tracks yes. in here. Then it dropped a deluxe with like another 10 tracks. And it's like, I don't listen to 90% of the album just because it's like, yo, like what, like what the hell is this song, right? That's just mm -hmm. very, very kind of weird. Um, in a lot of ways, I actually prefer Slime Language 1 because it was a lot more focused. But you do have to take into account this. This it's is a, a compilation, compilation tape. It's a compilation yeah, exactly. tape. Like Young Thug, Gunna, and the rest of YSL, like just doing a compilation together. So you're not going to get anything very cohesive. You're just going to get like a huge collection of music. Um, but in terms of like how many songs I actually like, because I think that's a good way to measure something like this, you know, it's like how many songs that I actually like off right. of this. I don't really listen to any of it other than Solid and Diamonds Dancing, right? So hard for me to justify more than a six out of 10. Uh, and those songs kind of just carry that for me because those are two of my most listened to songs of the year. <laughs> so that's enough to give right. me a six out of 10. So it was all right. It was pretty good, not bad. Um, Could have been better. Yeah, I was, I, you know, I actually have almost the exact same opinion. Like I have Diamonds Dancing, Slatty, Proud of You. I thought those songs had like really good energy, but every other track was just kind of like devoid of energy and couldn't carry yeah. it. But like you're saying, it's a compilation tape. Like I'm not viewing this, like this is what we're talking about, judging each album on its own. I'm not going to look at this with the same lens that I'm going to look at Donda with. Right. Although maybe you, you could that. argue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't so that. that's bad. <laughs> right. So exactly. So for that, uh, you know, I'm agreeing. It's a six for me. Okay. So next up here, Destined to Win, Lil TJ. So I almost forgot to include this one on here because I, I forgot that he had this album. Believe it or not, um, there was uh, the song on here that he had with Black, a.k.a. Six Lack. Uh, mm -hmm. He had huge streaming numbers, almost half a billion. So that was really, really popular. Um, I think Lil TJ is one of the most underrated artists we have in the game right now just because he does really well on drill tracks and he is kind of part of that three-headed snake of drill these days with Fabio pop smoke and himself, but it's not all that he does when, you know, guys like Fabio and what pop smoke we were doing, they pretty much exclusively do drill right. style music. Whereas little TJ does Brooklyn drill, but he also has, you know, more uh, kind of like a pop rap type of vibe going. He can do a little bit, of a more R&B style of rap too with his voice and like how he vocalizes. So he's, he's pretty versatile in my opinion of how he actually, his delivery and flow and what he brings to a song. I really think that uh, I really liked several songs on this album actually. And it, it did suffer a little bit from that repetitiveness, but I thought overall the production was really good. And he had at least a little bit of a unique element to several songs on here. It, this one was enough for a seven out of 10 for me. And I, I really hope that he starts getting better recognition moving forward because I think he is really good, but he right. hasn't really 
he doesn't really have a footprint in the mainstream space as much right. as a lot of other artists of his caliber. So yeah, here's my take on that. You know, I think that there's other artists doing drill better, like Five Year you're talking yeah. about. I think there's other artists doing more of the melodic rap better, like Polo G or Lil Baby. So mm-hmm. I think for that reason, he he doesn't really have like his niche right now. And so for that reason, people forget about him. But like he's definitely consistent, right? Yeah. And it's definitely enjoyable. And we've talked about mm-hmm. him before on the on this podcast. So I definitely, you know, I think that there's some value in this project, but for me, it does kind of get lost in the sea of other releases that we had yeah. this year. So for me, it's it's more like a six, right? Okay, that's fair. But I think with Lil TJ, when it comes to drill, he's kind of just rapping his style of rap over drill, over beats drill. and it happens to yep. work, but it's not like uh, you don't have the connectedness that a Fabio or a Pop Smoke song will bring right. to him, right? Right, because they they're really... Um, their lyrics and vocals kind of elevate the beat. Right? Hit the beat, yeah. So yeah. I, I definitely see what you're saying there. That, that's I think that's a good take on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we've been pretty. But I hope he on. finds his niche. Like I hope yeah, he yeah, finds definitely. his niche because I think he has a lot of potential. No. Yeah. So I I want to see him blow up, but I just yeah. don't know exactly how he's gonna do that yet. Right. I mean, so far we've been pretty spot on with this you know we've been like either on point or one off between all this, and I think that's gonna change with this next one. So we have oh, Khaled, well, Khaled definitely um, well. Khaled Khaled by DJ Khaled. Um, as everyone knows, I mean, obviously, when it comes to the pop rap and mainstream space, it's like DJ Khaled is a huge figure now. I think a lot of people know about him. Definitely, he's a meme, like like whatever people want to say. Like he, uh, he's a clown. He's a bozo. He does stupid mm-hmm. things, and people watch the content because it's just stupidity. And he says a lot of stupid things, but they still catch on with people like, you know, you'll be going around saying like another one and stuff like that. You'll, you'll hear people saying that. Right. So as dumb as it is, it catches on with people and like he, he people know who he is and artists want to work with him because it's exposure for the artist, believe it or not. Um so when I look at his past few offerings, he had Major Key in 2016, Grateful in 2018, Father of Assad. No, no, Grateful was 2017. Father of Assad was 2019. And then this project, Khaled Khaled, was 2021. I view this, I, I try my best to view him as compilation albums, right? Um, right. He's curating his sound. Yeah. Right. I feel like, and I know this is, you suffer from this as well, as I think a lot of people are like, oh, DJ Khaled, this guy's a clown. So I'm not going to give this album any props. But I mean, for the most part, most of it is throwaway, right? There's not a lot going here. Um, there was a song with Cardi B on here that was absolutely trash. It was just horrible. Yeah. Um, but there are a few songs that are really enjoyable and did get a lot of radio time this year. So the songs that I'm talking about in particular, so there's Every Chance I Get, that was Lil Baby and Lil Dirk. There's I Did It, Post Malone, Megan Thee Stallion, Lil Baby and the Baby. Uh, we going crazy. That was her and Migos. Pop star in Greece were both Drake solos, which actually dropped in summer 2020. They just happened to be the lead singles for this project. And like I said, Khaled gets a lot of hate for being a clown from like core hip hop fans like us, and as he should, because I think the dude's a freaking idiot. <laughs> but the features and assembly on this project compared to what he's done in the past, because Father of Assad was absolutely garbage. Like, there's nothing I liked on that project. Um, and even compared to Grateful, which did have a couple of hits like I'm the One and Wild Thoughts, where that had the likes of Justin Bieber and Rihanna on the project, I thought these songs that I mentioned were pretty well put together. And it had some newer artists on there, like, you know, especially with like Lil Baby and Da Baby and Megan Thee Stallion on some of these tracks. Um, so I give this project a six out of 10 just because songs like that did enter my heavy rotation. And I did enjoy listening to them. But as a whole, I mean, 
like 80% of the albums kind of just like it's not worth listening to. But there were some bangers on here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that there weren't just because Khaled acts like an idiot. Hey, and that's where I digress. Like, uh, and you know, we've had this discussion. You said, you said, if you take some of these songs and put them on, like, if you take the little baby and little dark song, you put on Voices of the Heroes, right? Yeah. Then it would be like a, it would be like the main. Yeah, it would hundred percent. Right. And and my thought on that is like, that's exactly why I think this album's bad, and it's like a three out of ten at the highest for me. Is because I think that Khaled's job on this album was to curate that sound and make it well. But instead, he chooses to put weird vocal effects on people. He chooses, it, it's poorly produced. There's weird vocal effects. There's poor sound choices. Like every mistake you can make as the producer, as the person whose name is going on this album, and your one job is to do that. Not like, you know, other people are doing features. I just think it's really bad. So, I mean, okay. <laughs> and it's, I, it's I not guess... quotables we're getting from it, right? Like, right. And, and major key, like, yeah, like major key, like, we the best. Like, yeah. That's what made DJ Khaled popular in the first place, that energy, that excitement. And I'm just not getting that from this project. Like it didn't enter my rotation and I didn't really love any song on here. So, so I think I think that's where we digress. It's just a perspective, right? Because I'm able to see over that, right? W- with the whole DJ Khaled clownery happening on the songs and I'm able to focus on just the music itself. Like, you know, baby, all, all three or four of his verses on here were like really, really great, right? Um, but I admit there's part of me that wishes that every chance I get was on Voice of the Heroes, right? But right. it doesn't stop me from listening to the song, right? like Khaled is not uh restricting me from enjoying this stuff and I think it, it is restricting me yeah it, it is, okay okay yeah. so, so that's where our ratings differ right yeah maybe maybe if these songs were independent of DJ Khaled our ratings might have been more aligned with like right the, right because but, but another thing I just want to say about this I don't right, fault you like, for that I don't fault you for him spoiling it for you because I think he spoils it for a lot of people so that's right. so, valid so I know we said we don't want to compare this to other projects, but I do want to make one comparison. Okay. Is if you compare this to Donda's, like both are very feature heavy, right? Like I'm not even talking about the sound. To compare this to the features. Like look at the features. I think Kanye gets way more out of well, his Well, of course he does. It's talent. Kanye. Right. And so I think for that reason, you could say like if their job is to get these features and get the most they no, can no, out of No, but you don't features, understand. You don't Khaled's understand. dropping the ball. You don't understand. Khaled's 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 dropping Khaled, the ball. Kanye is actually the artist. He's trying to curate a specific sound. Khaled, like artists just give Khaled their throwaways, bro. Because, exactly. Because <laughs> they know <laughs> this project's a throwaway. Okay. But, but, but not all the time. So in Drake's case, yes, I think Popstar and Grease are 100% throwaways. I think the biggest artists definitely do that. But for, especially like with every chance I get, I keep bringing this one up, but with Lil Baby and Lil Dirk, I think it was a good way for them to sort of promote Voice of the Heroes without dropping a single. Just because that song ended up being one of the most successful newer ones from the project other than sure. like Popstar and Grease. So it was good exposure because they were like, oh, they had that banger on that album and I've heard it before. I'm more likely to listen to Voice of the Heroes, which did get a lot of streams. So it might've been a little bit of a strategic move, but you know, we, we could debate about this forever, right? I mean, DJ Khaled is a very polarizing figure in hip hop. Some people love yeah. him, some people hate him. End of the day, he's a clown and uh, we probably won't get anything from him in 22, but definitely 23. Good. Like he'll, he'll be back with another Ugh. compilation tape. He, he's not going anywhere, dude. <laughs> Believe it or not, he's not going anywhere. Ugh. Which leads us into one of the first more respectable, <laughs> I think, releases <laughs> in uh, of the year is the off season, J. Cole. So, 
uh, there were, Twitter and the internet was pretty critical of this album. There were a lot of people, even J. Cole fans, that did not like this project. Um, believe it or not, I actually liked it more than KOD and For Your Eyes Only. Oh, I know that's absolutely. a little bit controversial. I, I liked it more than both of those. Projects. I think it's aged way better than both of those two. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it doesn't come close to some of his older works for me, right? I, I still right. think I obviously there's Forest Hills Drive, and then I think Born Sinner is still, in my opinion, I like listening to that one more than I like listening to this because this project really waned in replay value for me, like after about a month or two. Um, so that's why I can't give it an eight out of 10, but I can give it a seven out of 10 because I had a really great first experience and just it's very digestible, easy to get through. It's not right, too long. Right. It had some great features on there from 21 and Lil Baby. Um, so, yeah, that, that's really all I yeah. have to say about it. And I thought for, it had a, yeah, great, a great intro. 95 Souths was a really, really oh, great yeah. intro. So, And the so-called, you know, the M on your head, that's mm -hmm. Luigi's brother. Come he's got on, some man. great lines. That's, he's got some great lines on here. It's great energy. It's good to see him back and for him having fun. I think this is probably his best project outside of uh, Forest Village Drive. Because just because for me, there's so many good tracks on here. Like, each but it was his least really sold, pretty since good. Born Center. Yeah, right? and so I will say this though: I think as an album, it doesn't really shine. Like, it's it's more of a mixtape. It feels like right, mm -hmm. and, and you know, I think I yeah. had this criticism when I, I was first listening. But I just think the solo tracks there. There's just some tracks that are so good. Like my life, pride is the devil, let go my hand, climb back. There's such yeah. good individual tracks cole has only only sample. issue i have with pride is a devil is a lot of the song feels very boring is, right? it is carried by a little baby yeah. i will agree to that. i you know y'all know me i'm not even a little baby dick writer but it's mm -hmm. carried by him for sure so yeah. i'd give it an eight out of ten. Oh, you're gonna, i, I okay. really yeah i think that's it's one fair, of the best fair. you know crack my top five one of the best of the year in my opinion just because there's so many good tracks i want to listen to so I think, me, your, I think your eight out of 10 is just because you, this might've been in your rotation longer than it was. was in it, mind, it definitely right? was. Um, yeah. With this project. And I think J Cole is not done yet because I think oh, yeah. part I think of it was like, up. it was supposed to be like the fall off or whatever. Right. So I think we'll be getting another J Cole project in 2022 at some yep. point, which we'll talk about hopefully on the next episode here. Um, but I, I will say when it comes to J Cole, I do feel like, even though 2014 Forest Hills Drive is like a very classic hip hop album, when you compare him to Kendrick and even Drake to some extent as like the top three of the past like 10 years, I feel like the latter two, Kendrick and Drake, have yeah. had a little bit more longevity, especially on their earlier works than Jake. Definitely, right? Definitely. Um, I want to debate you on that. When you look at albums like Take Care and Nothing Was the Same and also Good Kid Mad City, they're still listened to heavily, still considered classics. You don't get that same energy from Cold World and Born Center, right? Like, I don't know. But you from Four Sill. Yeah, which I admitted, right? Because that one right. is classic. But, and to Pimba Butterfly. So it's like Kendrick got two, Drake arguably got two. Cole really has only that one that's You're kind right. of carrying You're along, right? right. And Born Center was dropped around the same time, which is why I bring it up because you had nothing was the same 2013, Good Kid Mad City 2012, and the Born Center 2013. It's like Born Center. You don't really hear people listening to it anymore. Whereas the other two projects are, I think, still in like the Billboard 200 charts or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So that that's really, I guess, the separation you get. But not knocking J. Cole. I still think he's top three of the past decade. Um, and I'm interesting to see what he's going to bring to the table if he does decide to put out another project in the next year. Um, speaking of Lil Baby, we've already said his name like 
50,000 times on the episode. <laughs> Next one up, Voice of the Heroes. So It's killing me, bro. Honestly, little baby talks kill me. I, I think this is the last of it, honestly. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think I have him in my notes anywhere moving forward. But um, yeah, with this project, so you had really great chemistry from Lil Baby and Lil Durk, but the album is a little bloated and I think it does have a oh. lot of filler. It's a very, very long for a collaborative album. Uh, and you can tell they probably recorded this in a short amount of time because that's what guys like Lil Baby and Lil Durk do. They just right. get in the studio. They don't write much. They just do their verses. Um, I think it was, it didn't really hurt Lil Baby that much um, just because, you know, he's going to get streamed. That's just the space that he's in right now. But I think it was really great for Lil Durk for his like yeah, continued good exposure. For, his career, for sure. Continued exposure after the great feature run he's had with being on Laugh Now, Cry Later, as well as being on Donda. Um, on, uh, I believe it was... Jonah was one of the yeah. tracks he was on. I think so. So yeah. So Lil Durk's been doing really well for himself. Um, and this is the point that I wanted to make. I think this is the first one. We'll all bring this up, and I'm gonna bring this up multiple times. But I think it suffers from a very similar trend this year of albums feeling too repetitive, right? Um, it's an yeah. hour of the same sound. Yeah, I have that. Yeah, it's yeah. Just an hour of the same sound. And there are a few songs that I liked and actually did enter my rotation, especially uh, 2040. That was one of my favorites, and mm. you know I just even though like little baby sometimes does bring the same flow to the table. Um, I still enjoy listening to it. Right. It's like one right. of the exceptions I have out of these repetitive artists. Um, so I give it a six out of 10 just because yeah, I thought it I was, was pretty good. Too. Yeah. I give it, I thought it was pretty good. It's not anything phenomenal. Um, but a lot of the songs did enter my playlist. So right. uh, it's enough to at least yeah, like that threshold. It's a nice collab album and you know, it, it's something good to see, you know, collab album still being around 2021. I liked it on release, but like you're saying, it's not genre breaking. It's not like super high re-listen value to the whole project. Yeah, so, there's yeah. been collab albums that I've enjoyed a lot more first listen. So yeah, exactly. Uh, as we continue this trend with what I was going to say about suffering from this, you know, sounding too repetitive, this might be a, a little controversial for some people, Apollo G's Hall of Fame. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is what I say about this one. I think he's a really enticing young rapper. He, you know, he has multiple hit songs and even almost to the same, like, you know, level as Lil Baby, even like yep. he's had songs, like obviously there was Rap Star this year. He had Pop Out again in 2019 that was always on the radio. And he gets a lot of streams, right? He gets like 33 monthly listeners on Spotify. It's it's pretty insane. But there like wasn't anything on this album really that stood out to me. Uh, and I just think it lacks variety and sports very similar beats and flows on all the songs. So I like just because of that, and there was nothing on here that entered my heavy rotation. I can't give it better than a five out of 10. Okay, so for me, I kind of had like a similar conclusion that the sounds are the same, but I think that's Polo G. Like Polo G does the same sound. Because I think this project, though, it does have a lot of energy and a lot of like fun tracks. So I had like No Return, GNF, Clueless, all tracks. Clueless that I thought is good. I'll good. admit that. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought it was good enough for me to get a six and a half out of 10. Because I thought it was a little less repetitive than, than Voice of the Heroes, a little more replay. But I can't say it's much better, right? Yeah, <laughs> like it, that, it is kind true. of really in the same. It comes out as a personal preference there. Yeah. And I, I like Polo G like, on a personal level. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's fitting to jump right into culture three then because. These so I was going to say this too. Yeah. I also think the narrative made me view it a little higher, like thinking oh, yeah. about it dethroning culture three. Believe it or not. It's actually quite funny that um, like 
Polo G was featured on Culture 3 as well, right? right. Malibu. So which is one of my favorite tracks on there. Yeah, they're like on, on good terms with the Migos, right. right? So it's like, oh, like we, this is our buddy. We're gonna drop an album the same day as him. And turns out they got clowned and Polo G outsold yep. them, which I don't think they saw coming. I, I, I think the Migos severely overestimated their current their popularity. position yeah. in hip hop, yeah. right? Just because of what they've done in the past. Um, and when it comes to culture three and I remember, cause we listened to most of it together. Yep. So I really liked it when it first came out. Uh, I thought it was better than culture two on like my first few listens. And, um, I, I was really high on the album for like the first few days, but then I, I remember noticed, that <laughs> then I noticed something and, and this is going to surprise you. I don't think I've ever gotten bored of an album as quickly as I got bored of this one. Yeah, It took probably about five to six days before I had had my time with this project and I was done. And I don't know why that is, but it, looking back on it now, like, I don't know why I said it was better than culture three because culture two for me, I think is definitely way better. And that's saying something because culture two was objectively not that great. But when I look back on it, a lot of songs for culture two were in my rotation for almost all of 2018, believe it or not. Like I right. really, really liked some songs on that project, even though it was very long and very bloated. I have not listened to culture three since last summer. Like, so that's really the position I have on this one. They had a Drake feature and couldn't like generate any momentum with that either. Right. Like it didn't really do much for them. Uh, my favorite song was a pop smoke feature. I thought they did really well on that drill style track, but I mean, overall, I think they kind of dropped the ball here and uh, they have to do something new. Otherwise they're just going to like fade into the distance with their music. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Like I, I think culture two had higher highs, but also lower lows. I think this album's kind of like consistently mid <laughs> like, so oh, I, I think it's kind of four out of 10. I mean, you know, there's it good tracks a... like Malibu and Need It, but the, the good tracks are the features. Like, there's not really a solo track that I really yeah. enjoy. So. Avalanche was all right. It was a decent intro, um, yeah. which was just them. But yeah, I, I agree. Um, so I put a five out of 10, actually, just because, you know, uh, Light It Up was in my rotation for a little mm -hmm. bit. So I, I don't want to go as far as to give it like a straight up four out of 10, but um, I almost did, you know, just because of how quickly it fell off for me. But right, five out of ten, right. I have to I have to respect that there. I mean, I didn't. It, it it was in my rotation for a bit. It's not like it never was. Yeah, that's fair. I know you were bigger on this than I was when yeah. it came out. So, and that's just because I've been a fan of them for a decent amount of time. But I think that's right. starting to change with the music they've been putting out now. Um, so uh, here's where it gets interesting now. So one of the better releases from this year, I think, without a doubt, Planet Hers, uh, Doja mm -hmm, Cat. Mm -hmm. um, this was a really unique and I think well um, executed mix of pop, R&B, rap and dancehall. You had elements of all of these coming together into almost this uh, very unique sounding album, one that we really haven't gotten anything like it before. Um, multiple super hits on the project, uh, great live performances at festivals like ACL and Day in, in Vegas. Um, production was great too. And there was really something for everyone on this album. You had some yeah. hip hop bangers, you had like more chill R&B songs, you had pop hits. Um, Doja Cat just continues to elevate. Like just when you think that she's like reached the peak of pop, it's just she takes it to another level. Um, eight out of 10 for me on this one. Yeah, I, I really agree with what you're saying about. I think this is the best project in the that pop rap fusion space. Mm -hmm. You know, the amount of hits is insane. Like I was re-listening to this project and I was like, wow, like, you know, I know all these songs. It's like one of those projects, like, you know, all the songs, but you don't know their names, but you know all of them. You know, an album's a hit when they're exactly. appearing in Taco Bell commercials, right? That exactly. everyone's seeing, everyone's hearing <laughs> these songs. Right? 
exactly so for that you know i have to agree that it, and you know it's really good it's not like it's mm-hmm. just being forced on you pop like I, I really like it but you know at the end of the day it doesn't like break the mold to go like above and beyond to get like a nine or a ten so i, I would say like an eight or maybe even a seven and a half because mm-hmm. um you know that that's where my bias starts coming into play where i compare it to other albums that came mm-hmm. out this year i don't know if it's like that much better than the other pop space yeah that, that's why i give it an eight just because i refrained from uh, bringing all the other hip-hop albums that we're talking about right in the mix. which is so, fair um yeah i think easily deserves an eight here uh yeah i'll agree just, with that i'll go I, for the eight. the only reason i can't give it a nine is because i'm not the like biggest doja fan but like i have right. to respect how great this project was um so as we jump into the next one, this is where I think it's going to get a little interesting, might surprise some of our viewers. So I agree with this. Call me if you get lost. How are the creators? So I have a, I have a decent amount to say about this one. So um, from an objective standpoint, right, without letting my biases and personal preferences get in the way, definitely objectively one of the better, if not the best hip hop record of the year. Like you can make a case for it being the best mm-hmm, one of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to, you know, uh, argue with that. When I first heard it, I wasn't vibing with the project for a couple of reasons, just because number one, I'd never been like the biggest Tyler listener. Um, And I guess if you haven't, then a lot of his music can sound like very different and not like what you're used to because there's a lot of weird things going on with he the takes production. a lot of artistic risks yeah. yeah he takes a lot of artistic risks the production is layered kind of in weird ways and especially on this one you had dj drama with a lot of background dialogue <laughs> so <laughs> that can throw a lot of people off because it's not it doesn't fo- follow the formulas that you might be used to on what makes you like a song um but what really changed for me was seeing tyler perform a lot of the album live that day in yeah. vegas And what that did for me is it completely changed my perspective because he brought a new energy and new dimensions to the song that really made me perceive them differently, particularly his opener to his Yes, yeah. So he had like the instrumental for Masa playing when he actually walked on. But then the first song he got into was Corso, right? And the zero to 100 elevation that he had with the performance was just like insane because he kind of was just like moving slowly and kind of whispering into the mic. And then after the first two bars, he just like picks up his intensity and then you just see the fireworks pyro just flash in the background. And he's just going crazy on stage, like jumping around, spinning with his hand movements and really just like yelling into the mic and going crazy. I'm just like, wow. Like I didn't see this song in this light. You know what I mean? And Ever since that, I'm like, okay, like that. I started listening to that song a lot. I actually added it to a few playlists. And because I started liking that song more, it started making the rest of the album flow better for me. Like songs like right. Lemonhead, um, the feature with Lil Wayne, Masa, because I thought it was a really great, I, I think that I really like the production on it now. Yeah, that's a um, great track. And then also looking back into some of other Tyler's songs, especially like Who That Boy, right? That was another one he performed with really great energy at the festival. And so just seeing the live performances, I guess, made me see the songs in a different light. And I'm like, wow, these songs actually are really fun and are pretty enjoyable. And it made me like the album a lot more. So I think Tyler with this project, Call Me If You Get Lost, he continues a streak of putting out like a different and very alternative style of rap. Mm-hmm. But I think this is the most digestible project in recent years. Like he has a lot yeah. of like, it, it's a more like, it sounds kind of weird to say, but maybe as traditional hip hop as Tyler's going to get. Because it's not like Igor at all, right? Yeah, Igor's no, very it, definitely. Right. And when he um, released this, he said that this project was him like rapping again because West Side Gun right. like inspired him to get exactly. back into like rap. So, so, so definitely. For me, I was definitely like a little overcritical of the project at first just because it was so like different from what different. I'm used to. Yeah. Um, 
but I give this project an eight out of 10 now. Like I, I, I can finally uh, see appreciate the it. Yeah. Appreciate the greatness in this project. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big turnaround. Cause I remember when it came out, you were kind of like very, very like, it's like, I don't remember what we said when it came out. Maybe I don't, like I don't think I gave it an out of 10 rating, but like yeah. what I will say is I never objectively criticized the album. Like I, right. I, respected the fact and understood why a lot of people might like this but i just wasn't able to see it so i was just kind of i was kind of just saying that just because i know there's something there that you know makes it but it didn't click for you right i wasn't able to align with it right and you know i think thematically you know it's one of the best executed like you you know the dj drama like braggadocious versus like the introspectiveness on here yeah exactly Mm -hmm. but you know for me in my opinion I still think at the end of the day that Flower Boy and Igor both handled the themes of this project better, but that's because I like more experimental. Like I'm okay with that more experimental mm-hmm. abstract, like indie space. Yeah, sound, Igor is very know? tough for me to listen to. Like I don't, right. I think I still have not come around to that project just because of like how different it is. Um, right. Know. So this goes back to like thinking about like critically, like an artist critically in their history. I think this is not his strongest project in recent years. So I think it's maybe like seven and a half, eight. I could give it an eight because I definitely okay. think that I think that the first half, everything up to like manifesto flawlessly executed. Mm-hmm. I love it. But then when you get to the like more introspective tracks, like sweet, like I just want to dance. Like, I, I don't know, like those just don't hold my attention compared right. to his prior work. So yeah, I, I think I'm still like back and forth on if those projects like really bring down the the overall project enough i don't know so so i'll, I'll teeter on seven and a half and eight yeah i think there. like regardless though it's still one of the front runners for front runners Absolutely. for the best rap grammy i think it's Absolutely. Gonna come down to either this one or donda right it's gonna be one of the two um and both have strong cases right because this has very strong artistic integrity as an as an album mm-hmm. right versus donda just has really great tracks and a lot of people involved yeah, so next up, actually, so moving on from Tyler, um, this is more in your lane now, actually. So uh, Vin Staples, self-titled project. I'll let you start off on this one. Right. So I know, like, uh, you know, Vin Staples kind of did a lot of collaboration with Earl. So I, I've listened to a lot of Vin Staples' work from Earl. That's how I kind of listened to him first. Mm-hmm. And this project was very short. You know, it was very yeah. different from a lot of the other projects this year. It's like, what, 20, 30 minutes? It's almost like one of those Kanye uh, Wyoming projects in its length Kanye Wyoming right but but when you get down to it you know I just don't think that there's a lot of critical praise for this album yeah because it has a grayscale sound and palette like the the cover even projects that right like it's supposed to be kind of very down grayscale like uh, and I I see that the production's good the project is tight but in my opinion, it's much, it's like a much more low-key grayscale version of Good Kid Mad City. You know, it's Vince Staples, like childhood, like him reliving mm-hmm. that era of like his growing up. It's a coming of age project. And I just think that the grayscale take on it isn't as good. So I actually thought it was kind of a six out of 10. I, oh, I that's what I have. Yeah, yeah, I have a six out of 10 on it as well. I, I thought, I and mean, you said the production's tight, but I agree in that I think it lacks in production variety, right? You have like very, right. very similar beats on every single track. That's just because like well the as, whole palette's intentionally yeah, washed. Yeah, as well as the flow, kind of the flows and the drum patterns are very, very like almost identical. And the reason I like it is because I, I tend to like more chill rap songs, like the ones- It is very chill, out. yeah. Um, so I actually did enjoy it, but 
again, didn't enter my rotation. So I, I right. have to stick to that six out of 10 on that. Right. Jumping into the next one, we got Faith, Pop Smoke. Um, there, obviously, there was a lot of uh, anticipation around this because of right. the success of Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. But unfortunately, I think they completely missed the mark on this one. Uh, the problem is, one of the biggest problems it suffers from, there's more features on the album than total songs. So that says right. something, right? It's almost like you have a uh, collection of artists featuring Pop Smoke at that point, right? So it loses its theme and sense of direction when that happens. Yep. And yep. not to say that Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon didn't have a lot of features because it did, but like 50 Cent was driving that and kind of executive producing it and really building it and putting it together. And it had Pop Smoke's vision, right? Because I think that is for the most part along the lines of what we would have gotten from a debut studio album from him mm -hmm. right because he was working on that so a lot of the songs were stuff that he was working on in hopes of a debut project studio project later that year but this one is kind of like a true comp like posthumous like collection of music right kind of like what's happening with juice world now right so I, I think my opinions on it it was like poorly packaged and put together unlike the 2020 project um and I think overall it was very disappointing and I really feel like maybe they should have just like held this one, right? Like maybe it didn't really need to be put out. Um, yeah, I, I'm having trouble, that. having trouble giving it anything above a four out of 10, unfortunately. Oof. That, yeah, I, I, you know, I definitely agree with a lot of the stuff you're saying, like thematically, it's kind of a mess. Like, you know, the, just like my experience is the opening words are like, you probably thought this was a gospel album. Yeah. What? Like that makes. And you no, got like Kanye and Push on there too, and then like and Push he's, he's never dissing, even dropped like, this year. Yeah, like oh, you know. there's like all kinds of poorly chosen. Like it, it was just like really poorly put together. Um, you know, it's got a wide sound sound palette at least, yeah. right? It's got like a lot of different sounds, but yeah, I think like you're saying that works against the cohesiveness. Um, there are good tracks on here though, like Manslaughter, I like about a million. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just really didn't enter my rotation that much. And I really didn't think this was something we needed. So yeah, I, I have to agree with the four. Maybe a four and a half, but probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wish I, I could have rated it higher. But it, it's not the pop smoke that we expect, right? Like even, right, even Shoot right. for the Stars, even though it had a lot more pop sounding songs on it, it still had a few like, you know, like good drill songs. But right. this one just, it was all over the place. Um, very yeah. hard for me to follow. So, um, but uh, fortunately, next one up, House is Burning, Isaiah Rashad. Um, we were anticipating this one quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Because Isaiah had been a long yeah. time before he since he dropped, you know, exactly. and, and I loved uh, Sun's Triad and Sun's Triad was great, and we got to I, see you know, Isaiah uh, Day in Vegas as well, and yeah. I, I was impressed with his live ability. You know, he was rapping pretty much all his songs, like you know, without much vocal effect. So definitely great performance for him. But I right. really enjoyed listening to the album. I thought it had great variety in production throughout of it, and again, big fan of the chill vibes from the album, which is kind of it has Isaiah. a nice niche, right? Yeah, that, it does, that it Tennessee does. rap, it's very like enjoyable niche, very enjoyable. Um, so while this project, um didn't enter a lot of my heavy rotation it is something that i kept coming back to a little bit on and off throughout the year right um but i, I have an excuse for why it didn't enter my heavy rotation now we're getting to like the uh that time you know what i mean of, of the calendar year because we're like oh yeah July there's just so many releases here so the donda hype has begun at this point the clb yep. hype is like fully underway uh, and I think because of that, those things kind of overshadowed all other releases for me. So for that reason, I think because it dropped right on the cusp of major releases, 
it got a little overshadowed for me, but I, I still kept revisiting it from time to time and it gets a 7.5 out of 10 for me. So I, yeah, I think there's really good tracks on here. Rip Young, Garden, Headshots. Like there's a lot of really good stuff on here. But I think when you look at it in the context of his prior works, for me, I think this is his weakest work yet. Maybe because there's so many tracks that like this project was supposed to be released a long time ago. We talked about it in the spotlight, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Where it just kept getting pushed back because of personal issues and label issues and stuff. So I think it kind of suffers from like that wide array um where it's just like not as enjoyable as like his previous projects for me but that said i still think it's really good i do enjoy it quite a bit i'll, I'll give it a seven out of ten because i think it is a you know very good project i enjoy it quite a bit yeah but yeah, i just don't think it's of... his best work so i think when viewed in context yeah there's a lot of great stuff on here and yeah i mean i i think sun's tirade is always going to be his best work in a lot of people's eyes so i mean that's just I'm not right. big enough in big Sylvia. Enough. I like Sylvia more than you this like that project. More, really? yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not big enough of an Isaiah fan to really make that opinion, right? Just because right. I haven't, I haven't listened to his music nearly as much as like you might have. But yeah, definitely a lot to like in this project. Yeah, it is still is a really like, good project. Definitely check it out. We're checking out. Stark contrast as we jump into the next one here: Bobby Tarantino <laughs> Three by Logic. So. The dude's back, decides to come out of retirement out of nowhere and start dropping a bunch of songs over the summer. Um, this is what I'll say about the project. So album's boring, lacks variety. I think that's pretty obvious. I think any most people who listen to it will see that. Yeah. But I'm going to go as far to say it. I think Logic just needs to hang it up for good. I mean, this is easily the worst album I listened to this year, two out of ten. You know, I, I thought that looking at the core album you know he's he's trying to do the same style of like spiritual miracle lyrical which he needs rap, to stop like it's just corny at this point yeah exactly in the it's, words it's, of joe it's, budden it's, logic is easily the worst rapper to ever grace a microphone there's just such bad lyrics on here right like there's one song where he's just like family 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 i think it's called get up is the is the track where he just like repeats family for like a minute straight like ah uh, yeah i don't know there, there isn't much redeeming on this project the cover is really good though like the album art <laughs> i do like the album art quite a bit but that's the only thing that i really like so did we talk I'll give about logic did we talk about logic in our episode of artists who we fell did. off we did no did we maybe I don't think we did i don't think we did because just because i think people uh I mean, he was so successful back in like 2016 and 2018, especially right. with, uh, you know, his album. Uh, well, I can't even remember the title. I know it was the one with the song 1-800, right? Uh, it's, it's the one about him being biracial. Yes. <laughs> That's all I know. Logic definitely made a, a point of that in his music. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just think he uh, tried to take his music in a certain direction and it just felt so like unauthentic contrived forced, yeah. yeah right force is a great so, word so hard to just take the man seriously and like right he has a great he has great delivery and flow but i mean his lyrics are really just yeah the other and thing some of me, the production choices too you can I mean, we talked about this it's like the most prominent feature that logic has ever had is like big sean he hasn't been able to like break into like the same lane as right. some of the other guys right um logic ain't it like I, I i don't plan on ever listening to another logic project ever again i think i think in my mind if he doesn't choose to retire he will be retired in my mind you know he i am retiring his, logic he did have a single with mad lib though it was called like magic like a mad lib and logic and you put together and that was a well like that was a well-produced put together track so i think partially it's just like who he's working with i think you're right i think if he makes some 
good choices, but I don't, <laughs> I don't good know if that's going to happen. You want a cookie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So anyways, anyways, yeah, that was a one out of 10 for me. That was, I'll, I will not re-listen to this and I don't think it's worth the time. <laughs> I stopped to. you from giving a zero. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was always going to give it a one because I okay. really like the album cover. All right. Well, we get a little bit of redemption here with the next one on King's Disease too. So, um, yeah, Nas definitely. So here's the thing with the, the this project and the last King's Disease, right? So Nas still definitely has it as an MC, right? He can still rap, he can still deliver good verses, but I think a lot of his music and his style just sounds a little bit dated, right? When you think about an artist like Nas compared to like a Kanye, I feel like Kanye's music has always been slightly ahead of its time. And even today, it feels very, very contemporary and modern, right? Whereas Nas, it, it feels like you're listening to an old head. Like you can't get that image or picture kind of out of your mind. Whereas with Kanye, it's like, oh, I'm listening to like a visionary right now. Um, I thought some of the combinations on the album were a little bit weird, you know, like him plus a boogie that didn't really make much sense to me. Um, and my take is that I feel like he's an outsider into the current era that we're in just because he's such a huge like piece of the past era or like really two eras of hip hop almost. Whereas again, artists like Kanye have always kind of been at the forefront of new movements, yeah. but the project still gets a six out of 10 because I, I do respect that it, it is some good quality hip hop. See, right, right. I agree with what you're saying in that like Nas kind of sits in that old head space, but I think that he is really kind of branching into new production on in this King Disease run and including his most recent EP Magic. It's just hard know, for me to see Hit Boy. him as a, like the artist that I see everyone else as these days. But he's not, and I don't think he's trying to be. I think he's accepting that he's a little older and he has some like different wisdom. Like look at his storytelling on tracks like Death Row East, That's, that was Pressure, true. Store that was Run. There's such good songs on here. Like really almost every song on here is good. Maybe Brunch on Sunday is the only song I, I really don't like on this project. Um, I really think that he's like kind of in his own lane right now of being like one of the only a old heads a still doing old head rap, but with this new production. For me, I think it works really well. I want to give it a seven and a half out of 10. I think it's one of the best projects of the year just because I think that he does sit in that space so well of like the mentor right like the wise sage i think he fills that really well i think that's just the old head in you speaking i think maybe I think it this, is the same part of your brain that criticizes little baby you speaking right now maybe it is maybe it is i, I really enjoyed the my, project i really enjoyed it on that um okay so we get a little bit of a digression here again uh trip at night um by trippy red very interesting one here. So this is what I like to call a great value, whole lot of red. Um, and a little bit of an aside here, I actually have warmed up to the that project a little bit. And I think it's the same thing with the Tyler effect a little bit, right? Is that I've seen right. some of his live performances on YouTube and it looks absolutely insane, especially right. his opener with Stop Breathing, right? Like objectively from a hip hop perspective, it's like there's not a lot like, you know, to actually praise in the, the energy album. on the tracks though oh, the, yeah that, the it's energy like its is crazy yeah it's a rawness you're not getting it from anyone else yeah but it, it does get carried by the production in a lot of ways right it's sure like, and i think sure. that's just been a trend for cardi right it's like without his production and producers like that's 75 percent of what makes the artist um but songs like sky vamp anthem rockstar made uh and then obviously stop breathing. They've really grown on me quite a bit. Right. Um, and I don't mind listening to them anymore. When before they would have given me a headache just because I really want to see him live now. I actually wish he had been right. in Vegas, but that's a different story. Um, with Trip at Night, 
the reason I call it a great value whole lot of red is because there's like bits and pieces of that sound, but every You're song sounds right. exactly the same beat with the same intro. Um, and Trippy Red just looks like a clown and a scarecrow put together. Like he <laughs> just looks so whack. Even the Drake feature on here was not able to elevate the song for me. Um, so see, I I, I think there were some really good tracks on here. The MP5 was really good. Uh, okay, well that had Sofago. Like, yeah exactly okay. so i really enjoyed sure. that you know like you're saying the J drake feature i had some interesting like i listened to the album about. once and never came back to it three and out of ten is mr rage, mr. rage really good no mr rage is really okay, mr. Rage good. Is really high replay. Song. stop stop it no it's got cardi on it stop too it's it. the energy that's what i'm talking about it's the rawness oh, oh, and mp5 that's, that's what i'm saying at the end of the day i think there's just a, the, the features are really good on this project um i still think that the sound has a lot of space to grow in but i don't think trippy's pushing it i think you're right i think he's like kind of following in cardi's footsteps on this project and not doing it nearly as well and i think the cover's god awful oh it is terrible. <laughs> you so maybe, i'll give it a four out of ten okay we're, we're almost there <laughs> i thought you were gonna rate it higher because you were actually giving it some praise but there's some good moments on it but it's kind of the same thing with the Migos project like the best moments are the features and I don't right. really listen to the solo a lot right so next one up here uh see you next Wednesday by Belly so a lot of people don't know who Belly is really the only reason I listened to this project was for the weekend features but Ugh. he's not offering anything new to the table here it's the same same old Belly um and I mean I, I thought the features with the weekend were great as you know of course like you expect nothing less from him but here's the thing with Belly it's like he just makes the same song over and over again right and i think he has a good flow though like he's very like clear and his songs are mixed very well like he's easy to understand and i think he has good delivery you know for someone for a rapper who's not really that prominent um but i can't give this album better than like a four out of ten just because i i i never listened to any of the songs again other than the ones right the weekend. And saying, I think the lyrics are atrocious. I think he's got some horrible one-liners. Like he's like zero love, like tennis. Get it? And he says, like, get it. Like he says, he said, like he, he, said, he makes uh, a one-liner and he says, get it. Yeah, he said and, and, every you know, album a classic. I think he said something like yeah, that. Yeah, he, there's just some really bad. And he's trying to do like braggadocious rap, but he mm -hmm. doesn't even really do it well. There's so many other rappers right now doing the sound better and doing like braggadocious boom bap better. The only thing I have to say about this project is, you know um it does have one good you know it's got the weekend it's a good feature i did like that track but not because of belly belly brought that down for me yeah so so in his own words one twice that's my review one twice mm -hmm. two out of ten i thought <laughs> i, don't I, like I can't it. fault you for it I, I really can't um i think what's interesting with belly and just everyone over at exo is they get a lot of exposure and they get features um right belly not so much but nav definitely right. does even though he's kind of in the same like space you know as, as belly oh absolutely uh, but he's worked with the likes of gunna and Lil baby and travis Scott. like you, you know what i mean right he, he gets mm -hmm. these features and it's because um, so the manager, the, the guy doing like a lot of the management stuff at EXO, he goes by cash, right? So it was actually his birthday a couple of days ago. Everybody was there. I'm not even kidding. Gunna was there. Future was there. Like all of these rappers in that lane, like all the Atlanta dudes were there. Mm -hmm. Like there were some even more, I'm pretty sure the weekend was there. There were a lot of more famous people there. Um, like Eliante, like they're like a jewelry, like diamond collection. They were wishing him happy birthday on Instagram. Drake was wishing him happy birthday on Instagram. For whatever reason, the whole industry just loves the dude. Like everyone knows who he is and they just like, he's like friends with everybody. So he has mad connections and they literally have his birthday every year called cash day. 
and they have like a massive like birthday party for him in like on like a private boat in miami like every year like he's just lost that's ridiculous so like let me get this right uh like what during the astroworld sessions he flew out to hawaii but the weekend didn't right because even though the weekend had vocals on astroworld it was cash that was in hawaii chilling with travis and gunna and nav especially for yosemite right so people just love the guy and i think because of that the whole exo brand just gets so much publicity and you can be a very like objectively not that good artist like belly because you're because you're a friend of cash people are willing to work with you right right cash will like go get a verse and just give it to his guys be like hey i got you one that's basically what happens or like there's like it calls up gonna ayo can you get nav on this record yeah man i hate it i hate it that's really what it is like they're just in the perfect position from the guy who's their manager but different story so now we get into really the most exciting part of the year so this release after release here just absolutely insane just great great music starting with donda Take it away. Mm, mm. You know, I, I've re-listened to this project so much and it just gets better oh, I mean, every time I re-listen right? to it. Yep. You know, there's, there's some just amazing tracks on here. Moon, Jonah, Off the Grid, Off the Grid, my track of the year. Absolutely love that no, track. No, it wasn't. You, okay, okay, no. Not no, my album, album of the year. Al- it's my, track of, it's okay, my favorite okay, track okay. of the year. Got it, no got question. Got um, yeah, I, I think that there's just so much to listen to and, and hear on this album. Kanye gets the best out of his features. He really produces a sound and curates a sound on this project like we were talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story around it was just so good, too. Like, their release. You had the Drake-Kanye thing. You had the shows. Like, there's so much to get excited about with this project yeah. that I think, for me, it, it was definitely my best, like, my favorite mainstream project of the year. And um, But I will say, like, there is some bloat. It is a really long Yes. I don't listen to the part twos when I listen to this project. I just like skip them. I yeah. just it cut it off right before jail part two. Yeah. Um, and there's some weird choices of like who he worked with, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh he had Marilyn in that one live show and he had the baby. Yeah. So I can't say it's perfect because it's not, but it was a great return to form for Kanye. And as a longtime Kanye fan, I was really happy to see this. What's the rating? Eight and a half out of ten. Okay, I got. I gave it an eight out of ten, and I think this is exactly what I don't think it's changed from what we initially ranked it when it dropped. Right, right. right. Um, phenomenal project. I loved it. Right, and it's one of those that's like, even if you're not a Kanye fan or a hip hop fan, there's something on here you will like, right? Because yeah. Hurricane is so like, you know, people will love that song, like regardless of who you are. Um, and off the grid obviously was Grammy. You got oh. freaking the combination is just you got Cardi and Fabi. The energy is so you would have never thought that would work. So you got Cardi with a good verse, you know, because Cardi has been known to put out some bad verses. <laughs> I'm looking right at you, Pain 1993 from 2020. Um, but yeah, Cardi delivered a phenomenal verse on this, and then it switches to drill, and you got Fabio with like a like a four-minute verse or something like right. that on here. And Two you verses. Kanye. Yeah, you got Kanye matching that energy, and you got Jay-Z back on jail. I thought it was a phenomenal project. Um, I would say though that there aren't like most of the album I don't listen to on like heavy rotation, right? Like there is a part of the album, especially towards the middle, where it's just like, okay, like I don't really care for it much anymore. Where songs like Hurricane off the grid, um, like Moon are the ones in particular that really stuck like, to me. Even some of the tracks in the middle, I'll be like, uh, I, I have kind of forgotten yeah. about. Like, well, like we'll 24 was great. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, you look at that, like I forgot that Roddy Rich was on that until people were like, oh, hey, like why can't Roddy Rich sound like, or was that wasn't Roddy Rich. Was that Roddy Rich? No, which one's Roddy Rich? 
I don't even remember. There's a track with oh my god. It's so hard to remember who's on which song, right? Just because there's so many features and they're not listed. Right, right. Um Roddy Rich was on that track and then like Pure Souls. And I forgot he was even on that track mm -hmm. until his album came out and people were like, This is horrible. Go listen to Pure Souls. I listen to Pure Souls. I'm like, oh yeah, Drake, you know, uh Kanye got such a great performance out of these guys. And like this song is a good song on its own. I just think that there's so much good stuff on this project. Yeah. So here, I mean, there's a, a couple other points I would like to bring up though. So like, first of all, is this Kanye's best project? No, like by no, no means no, no right? Yeah, no. I, I think even if you can make a lot of cases, even for the life of Pablo, like being better than this, like a, a lot of people will make that case. I'm not sure where yeah. I stand yet on it, um, but the, the argument can be made, right? Because I think Life of Pablo was a great project. Um, and, and for me, I think the listening parties, although they were really cool and a great experience to be part of, they did like kind of month, hurt at first. Yeah. I wish that they never happened to some extent because I can only imagine what my experience would have been like seeing this drop for the first time, not any features listed, and then hearing Cardi and Fabio on that track together, right. hearing The Weeknd on Hurricane, hearing Keem and Travis on Praise God, like Keem, phenomenal on Praise God, by the way, um, mm -hmm. hearing Jay-Z on Jail, stuff like that, without having any like prior knowledge of it, just the experience would have been so great. And I probably would have loved it even more if that happened, just because of the hype it would have created like while listening to it. Right. Um, what I will say, and this is a bit of an interesting take, um, it, it sounds like it's disrespectful, but it's not. I'm just trying to create an analogy here to kind of paint the picture of where it stands amongst the rest of his discography. I like to compare Donda as like Kanye's more life. And this is what I mean by that. What I mean by that is it's like more life was a project that um, it had a lot of songs, like 20 plus, just like Donda. It um, had a lot of features, just like Donda. It showcased a lot of new sounds, just like Donda. And it had weird combinations of features, just like Donda. And it had artists that Drake has never worked with before, just like how Kanye worked with a lot of people he's never worked with before on Donda. And it had that feeling of, you know, less like, oh, Kanye is like the centerpiece of this. Like he's the highlight. Right. He was not the highlight on a lot of tracks like Hurricane and like, you know, um, and even like, what was it? Jonah, right? That was more like right. Rory and Lil Durk doing the job on that one. So it really was this, it felt like Kanye was trying to curate a particular sound um, and create a listening experience. And the listening parties are even more evidence of that, which is kind of what Drake was trying to do with More Life is bring in a bunch of new artists and new sounds and curate uh, a collection of songs that build up into one big listening experience. And obviously Donda does it a lot better. And Donda's like a proper album, whereas More Life was not a proper album. But that's, right. that's the position that I see Donda in when you place it amongst the rest of Kanye's discography. To some extent, I can agree, but I also think it's like an incredibly personal album. Like he explores his relationship with his faith and with his mom a lot. And and uh, so for that reason, I can't say it's entirely the same, oh, but course, I get where yeah. you're coming from. That, that I get where you're already said, from. like this was still a proper album and albums have those deeper themes, whereas right, mixtapes right, and right. things like that don't, right? Right. Um, so jumping into the next one, <laughs> this is where it gets fun. So... Mm. So we got CLB right up next. And obviously uh, th this dropped like five days after Donda. So it should be no surprise. Um, I have a lot to say about this one. So I'm about to go into my little own uh, monologue for a little okay. bit. Um, and then I'll, I'll bring you back down to, to earth. Say. 
no, you're not going to bring me down to earth. You're just going to counter it with some BS. That's not going to make any sense because I, I touch on a lot of Shut important up, points. Here. All right, go on, go on. So Let's hear it. Obviously, this project was super hype, right? That was one of the biggest themes of our podcast leading up from like March when we started all the way up until the release of this in, on September 3rd, right? It's like, right. when is CLV dropping? And the entire summer was all hype and speculations. Like, oh, it's dropping this week. It's dropping this week. It's dropping this week. And then we finally got that ESPN teaser. Where it was like CLV September 3rd. And we didn't believe it at first, but then we got the confirmation from Drake literally a day after Donda released that we're finally getting this album. Very uh, different approach from Drake on this one, just because we got no promo really, or a little bit of promo, but no singles, right? Um, right. And Laugh Now Cry Later was arguably supposed to be the lead single back in 2020 before he injured his knee and the album got pushed back almost a whole year, but that song didn't end up making the cut. So we got a fresh set of like 21 songs uh, for Certified Lover Boy. So here's what I'll say about this project. And People who have seen uh, it already, it was my favorite project to listen to. I enjoyed listening to this a lot. It was my favorite project of the year. Um, so I'm fully aware that this project was for the most part not very well received by audience. Obviously amongst Drake fans, we loved it. But when you look at the general population, especially in, particularly for hip hop fans, it didn't have as great of a perception as I think both of us thought it would. And this is what I'll say about that. I think the problem was not the music, but the expectation. People thought that Drake was going to bring something completely new to the table. I thought that, uh, you thought that as well. We discussed that on the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And he made it seem that way as well with like a lot of his cryptic promo and like that stuff he was saying, like when, remember when he hopped on the Night Owl Sound podcast, he's like albums yep. cooked, looking forward to delivering it to you. Like OVO, we aim for the head. We don't aim to please, you know? Stuff like that. So it gives you the perspective that like, oh, he's gearing up for something really, really epic with this project. And I think academics exacerbated that issue or that problem, right? Or the promo really by saying, CLB has been heard by the industry elites. And they're saying that it's fire. They're saying that this is the best project Drake has put out in 10 years. Drizzy is back, right? That was the... Um, that was a vibe that academics yep, yep. created. Right? It was overhyped. We talked about that. And so I want to compare this in some ways, maybe not to the same extent, but in some ways I like to compare this to Eternal Take, and here's why. It took over two years for this project to finally materialize, right? Like mm -hmm. Drake had been hyping this up since like mid-2019 when he was saying album mode, right? It took over two years for us to get the project. Same thing with Uzi, who started hyping up Eternal Take in mid-2018. And there was a lot like with this notion that Uzi was about to drop his best work ever. Same thing with Drake. They thought he was going to drop like, you know, one of his best projects ever. And it was going right. to be up there on par with Take Care and nothing was the same. And what happened with uh, Eternal to Take was well, a lot of people were underwhelmed when it dropped just because of the massive hype that had been built up. You know, people were expecting something brand new. And same thing with CLB. You know, I think people were expecting something revolutionary, maybe even something experimental and something Drake has never done before when that's not necessarily what we got. You know, the project was like, for the most part, just Drake executing very, very well, maybe the best he's ever executed, but of the stuff that we're already used to him doing, you know what I mean? And really what you can say about this is that Drake fans love CLB kind of just like how Uzi fans love Eternal to Take. And they really love that project. And Drake fans really love CLB. Like I can tell you that as a Drake fan right now, like straight up talking to you. Um, I'm not done, by the way. I'm only like a third of the oh, way through my. Oh, I'll keep yeah, going. So I'm, I'm gonna keep going. 
So what we got on this project was regardless of what the internet will tell you, Certified Lover Boy is Drake's third best studio album. It's it's miles behind Take Care and Nothing Was the Same. Like I'll admit that it comes nowhere close to those projects. Like those are by far his two best works. But I can with a straight face sit here and tell you right now that it's his third best studio album. And it's still, when you look at the music that's dropped here, one of the best projects of the year. And the reason for that is because what we really got is we saw Drake give us elements of different parts of his career throughout the project, right? And I'll break it all of this down for you. So starting with Race My Mind, right? The rap verse in this song sounds exactly like 2010, Thank Me Later, Drake. So for all those people who complain like, oh, we want the old Drake back. Well, he gave it to you on that verse. It's, it, you could have taken that verse and dropped it on Thank Me Later, would not have missed a beat. You Only Live Twice, right? With Ross and Wayne, which you actually liked. I remember you actually giving some credit to that. Yeah, song. I like Ross, I um, like Wayne on that. You could put that song on Take Care. It would fit right in with that album, with the beat and the lyrics and how the three are going back and forth. Wayne had a great verse. Ross had a good verse. Drake had a little bit. He turned back the clock a little bit. Champagne Poetry is, a, is as strong of an intro as ever, right? I mean, Drake has been known for having good intros. He gives us really good lyrical intros. And a lot of people liked it because it was a little experimental with the Masego sampling there with, you know, what's going on with the beat. It, it was pretty much as experimental as Drake is going to get, right? You're not going to get mm. much better than that. So a lot of people were a fan of that intro. Um, the second track, Poppy's Home, is basically like very similar cadence to Too Much. So now nothing was the same. Pulling from that era. 7 a.m. on Bridal Path. I know you were actually giving a lot of praise to this song. It's a good track. Really strong yep. lyricism. Uh, I think Drake's at his best when he does lyrical tracks like this, and it just adds to his streak of a.m. p.m. mantles, like 5 a.m. in Toronto, 4 p.m. in Calabasas, 6 p.m. in New York, 9 a.m. in Dallas. He just has a really great collection of those tracks. Uh, the, the song Fountains with the Nigerian singer Thames, it has those dancehall vibes that almost speak to the views era a little bit. You, you, I think you can see where I'm going for this now. You had the pop hits, Girls Want Girls, Way Too Sexy, reminiscent of like 2018 Drake, where he really started blowing up on Billboard and everything like that. Fair Trade, I think, is one of the more refreshing songs on here and sounds more unlike anything he's ever done in the past, if that's fair to say, just because I thought yep. it was very different compared to what he's done before. So you can see that he kind of pulled in from everything that he's done in the past. So there was something for every type of Drake fan on this project. And I think that is where the problem kind of starts playing in because, um, and, and I'll get on that here in a second, but I agree that there's several songs on this project that probably didn't need to be there. Like, I'm not going to deny that songs like in the Bible um, stuff towards the end, uh, just felt like it didn't belong. I can even argue yeah. that Knife Talk didn't belong, even though it ended up being like the second most successful track off the project. Um, when it comes to the certified lover boy thing, I was expecting somewhat of a theme. And because Drake was kind of all over the place, pulling from a bunch of different eras, that made the album lose its cohesiveness, right? Uh, I never got a sense of that certified lover boy theme, even though there were elements of it, like on Race My Mind, Girls Want Girls, and some of the lyrics on a lot of the songs did play into that, but a mm -hmm. lot of the songs don't align with that. So all of this kind of plays into lessen the cohesiveness of the project projects. And I think the, the songs that did align with the CLB theme, I think Drake did a really good job on those tracks. So like I said, in the long run, the album doesn't come anywhere close to being as good as like nothing was the same or take care. But I have not enjoyed a first listen of an album like as much as I did with CLB in like a really, really long time. Like most of the album is still in my heavy rotation. And I think the, the problem lies that 
the issue that Drake faces with his fan base. And we talked about this briefly at one point, but it's, it's just become so saturated with people, right? And a lot of these people are very, very casual fans who only appreciate like radio hits and pop rap. So when he makes an album like this that curates to those fans a little bit and to his OG fans a little bit and to hip hop fans a little bit. So everyone is like accounted for, but not fully you get a lot of people who are like, oh, I didn't really like this project because I didn't like most of the album. There's only a few things on here that I like. And so in my opinion, it was really Drake's attempt at like trying to please every type of fan, but it just made the album overall lose its sense of direction in the public eye. And so a song like You Only Live Twice would have popped off in 2011. Like you stick that track on Take Care, people would have been like, oh, this song is phenomenal, uh-huh. right? And it would have become uh-huh. a classic, right? But with today's era, with how streaming is and like accessibility and how is ca- there's so many casual Drake fans now, it's like, oh, that song was average at best, you know? Because you don't have the same type of people. Because back in like those era, that era from 2013, 2011, you got like, most of his fans are like true hip hop fans. So you're getting like a very good opinion on his music. Mm-hmm. But now it's just become so blurred and so saturated and so all over the place that just the perception of his music has become so different that I don't think he'll be able to put out another classic project, even if objectively he did. That's not what the public would say though. Okay. Nine out of 10 for me, by the way, on this project. (laughs) All right, all right. Because I enjoyed it. All right, bro, all right, all right, all right. I know that's not what the public opinion is. So so let me start by, by just saying what I liked about this project okay. and then I'll get into you with those points so I did think that there there are enjoyable like pop hit tracks on here mm-hmm. girls want girls for all of its faults of its corniness mm-hmm. is a really like enjoyable track and people mm-hmm. will quote it it's a very quotable track mm-hmm. that's a good classic drink track I love fair trade 7 a.m and that, that's coming from me and I'm mm-hmm. not like a huge Drake fan right mm-hmm. so there are really good tracks on here but like, just to like go with what you're saying about this project, like there's so much bloat filler around the last half of the project. Like after 7 a.m. on Bridal Path, I would argue the only track that is like very enjoyable worth keeping on there is You Only Live Twice. I don't think any That's other track true, after no. that. Race My Mind is like, that was one of the leaks. I was hyped for that song for so long leading up to it. Okay, okay. That, I think but you have one- to agree. Race can My Mind agree, is one like, of my top five tracks in the album. Can you agree that The Remorse and then Effing Fans, IMY2 are all kind of weak and could have been left IMY2 off the project? IMY2 is not a weak song. I can, I can admit that uh, the, the, the last two, two, the, the, closing, two the closing tracks are. I thought the closing track was okay. I can, like, with Effing Fans, okay, yeah, sure. Like, that one probably didn't need to be there. Get um, Along Better. Get Along Better. That's Okay, that's another one that did not, like, that I didn't listen to that much, but... My point being that it was only like the tail half of the album that like really like really like wasn't at the same standard, but there were still songs around there like I am Y2 and then like, you know, race my mind that I still really did like. And so for me, it's like if the tail half of an album or like the last four songs kind of taper off, that's not as impactful for me as if like the middle of the project is not that good. Sure. You know what I mean? So that that's just why. um, Sure. So I can understand saying it's it's better than something like uh slime language too where the entire back half is just a complete drop off but now you're comparing right? it to a compilation album no no no, no. okay no i'm just saying i'm just saying okay. like reason wise i'm not i'm not comparing it yet so i have a lot more to say about this project so like yes the opening track is really good it's a great sample there's good mm-hmm. one-liners but like in the opening track drake sets up an expectation 
He okay, says sure. where he's talking about wanting to change, but that's being stifled by his image. And I mm -hmm. really think that just sums up the project. I think there are inklings of a deeper, more introspective project on some of these tracks, mm -hmm. but it just gets killed when, when he has like radio hits or clearly TikTok hits, like way too sexier in mm -hmm. the Bible songs made for TikTok, which you've complained about before, but right. aren't flacking these. No, and I, I admitted that I think that was like a little bit of what killed the album's public perception right. is that it's he still forced those songs on this right. album when it could have been more cohesive. Right. And for me, that kills the project a lot because it makes it makes it come across as disingenuous. It makes it seem like, you know, I don't really know Drake. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like I, classic I can, Drake projects, what makes them mm -hmm. classic is stuff like he had that introspection. He had those moments of vulnerability and that's just gone now. And there's nothing but this like facade left on CLB. I mean, to some extent, it's like, is he as vulnerable of a person as he was before? I don't know. Right. Like, sure maybe not. i don't know maybe if not. i can say that you know like but when just... he says that in the opening track he's like hey i'm gonna give you a deeper side of me but it never materializes mm -hmm. it's just grading as a listener right yeah, i mean there's there's multiple like ways i could go about but, like i admit it could have been a like better project right like right of course right um and i think the things that would have made it a better project are just cutting out some of the tracks that we talked about right i don't think it needed to be 21 it could have easily been 15 16 songs and i would have been just as happy right um I don't think having those songs necessarily killed it for me like it did for you, though. Right. It's just like, you know, that wasn't a big thing. I think it did suffer a little bit from like being like him sitting on it for so long uh, because. But it might have helped, actually, because I don't think the version of CLV that we would have gotten in January 2021 had it dropped would have been this good because right, I, I don't sure. think tracks like Champagne Poetry and Fair Trade even existed back then. Like I know TSU existed. I know Love All existed and I know Race My Mind existed, which were more on along the lines of that CLB theme, right? With the production right. and everything. That's another point I actually forgot to bring up is this is the best produced, like from like, shout out to 40, by the way. I think there's the, great, yeah. There's the best production samples. on a Drake sure. album since nothing was the same. I would even put the production above Take Care, you know? Like I, I sure. think I mean, it's like just the, that the samples on Champagne Poetry, like Fair Trade. Fair Trade sample was phenomenal. Hype yeah. Down. Yeah, there's really oh, good. Pipe Down was another great track. We forgot yeah, to mention. There's, so sure, there's great tracks on here. I'll completely mm -hmm. agree with that. But I think overall, like it, it just gets hurt on so many fronts that we just talked about. We talked about the filler. We talked about the lack of cohesion. We talked about uh, clashing thematically. For me, it's a six and a half out of 10. But see, the fill, okay, that's actually better than what you originally gave it. So, okay. Yeah, I no, because I think that a lot of these tracks so, are really enjoyable. Like, Girls so, Want Girls, Fair Trade, 7 a.m. There's really good what's, uh, quality stuff on here. What I find interesting, uh, and I, I almost forgot what I'm about to say. Dang it. Um, I think it was something along the lines of the production or whatnot. But um, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, if I remember what I was going to say, I'll sure, bring sure. it up again. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just but, one of those things that's just like, you know, Drake had like great performances on here, but it's just, I think you're perceived, giving this... he's perceived in just a completely different light than he is now. Like, I feel like even if he put out and nothing was the same today, I don't know if it would get received the same. Sure. Way. Sure. But I think you're giving it too much breaks because you're too much of a Drake fan. Like a lot of stuff you're faulting other albums for it. This project does like TikTok, like clear, clear TikTok hits that hurt the replayability, uh, oversaturation, Lack of cohesion. Oh, that was a point and I, I think you're giving make. it breaks. That was the point I wanted to make. It's just like after Scorpion, like I feel like maybe I'm less um, like 
less critical prone to like how <laughs> let no just less prone to how bad the like filler can actually be because like all there's filler on every part i'm not I'm, donda had filler on it I'm oh, not yeah, gonna yeah, like, yeah. yeah there's filler on every project and I, I would argue that donda had just as much filler as CLB yeah did. i would agree so i would agree all the part twos oh my god the gosh. reason that i am not so critical of the filler is because scorpion felt most more filler than, than like actual good songs whereas this project feels less filler and more quality okay, and so okay. maybe just coming off of the fact that scorpion was a disappointment i'm saying that as a drake fan like i'll admit scorpion is his worst studio album like without a doubt right right maybe that i think that elevates clb for me a lot just based on okay. what we got in the past okay. if scorpion had been better maybe i would be less more up on yeah. clb right yeah. but because scorpion was so bad this was very refreshing so it's just okay. maybe the position that i'm coming from but i still stand by what i say it was okay. my the most fun that i had listening to a project this year and that that is okay. my opinion you cannot change that so. that's fair that's fair that was a long one that <laughs> was a very long that for like, we okay. knew it was gonna be long right yes. so let's jump into one that we can both agree was phenomenal the melodic blue baby key yes so yes um let me start I off too, on this one uh, go, uh, go ahead go ahead go ahead you start i, I was I gonna say i remember on release we were both like more lukewarm on this project on release mm -hmm. we were like yeah there's some really good stuff like family ties but there's mm -hmm. some really weird eclectic like stuff that's not vibing no it grew very very quickly but it grew yeah yes. I, was, I was just about to say that like for me it definitely it took a it took a while for this sound and maybe because there was just like a sea of these other like generic blah rap albums that the like risk and the different sounds just mm -hmm. grew so much for me because it was like a breath of fresh air you know mm -hmm. right so yeah, yeah you can go ahead now yeah so i was just gonna say um one of the best debut studio albums i've heard in recent years from like a newer artist and it was mm -hmm. not just because of the travis and kendrick features like he just right. did a great job even on his own in both of those i didn't even love the had. travis feature i will say yeah. that i didn't even like drag activity that both much both of the i mean and even in the especially range range brothers like it's really oh, yeah. back and forth keem and kendrick the right? chemistry like is one, amazing chemistry is yeah. good they're not overshadowing one another I think the way he uses vocal effects and beat switches, like switches, he does it like a veteran. Like you would think he's been doing this for like eight yeah. years, right? Like definitely very good vision with the production because he has a huge hand in that. And there's a lot of variety on this album. Like no songs <laughs> sound the same. The beats are like, they switch it up a lot. Every song is unique. And he gives me reason to listen to the album like multiple times over and over right. again, right? His live performances are great. Most people that age are not very good live performers, but he does a great job um he's gonna be like a force in hip-hop oh, yeah. for oh, like yeah. several years right trademark usa is my favorite track in the intro but then also songs like range brothers family ties direct activity coco <sighs> lost souls all of them really really great see um, i like the more like you know i like scars gorgeous okay. south africa I don't really like Durag Activity or Boo Man. That's what I'll say. Okay. Like, I think That's those weird. are the two of the weaker tracks on there. So it's not perfect. Nine and out of 10 for me on this project. Really? I, yeah, other than CLB, this is probably my favorite hip hop record. I, 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 I will say. In my ranking, I put Donda. I put Donda ahead just okay. because I listened to it a lot more and songs like Hurricane and Off the Grid were just like on another level. But, I was just about to say that. Yeah. yeah. This like, was number three. Know, I definitely like Family Ties a lot though, but I think that thematically it plays a little loose and there's not like super strong cohesion, but it's a debut album. Like you don't necessarily expect well, that. I thought the cohesion album. was there. It was like melodic blue. He, he's going for a lot of like melodic production and that's what he did, I felt. Shh. Sure, but I think it could have been tighter. Like, that's what I'm okay. saying. I'm not saying it's non-existent. I just think it's a little loose. Well, maybe he'll... I don't know if he'll drop anything 22. He could just because he's so young. Like, I wouldn't right, be surprised. Right. Um, 
but great way to kick off the like, he he kind of justified the hype that was being built yeah around oh definitely him, right? so yeah he, so i'll give him an eight out of ten i, I he, thought it was really enjoyable. positioned he's positioned yeah. so well like it's just the perfect like situation for him so um now we jump into montero <laughs> um wow okay where do we go with this one so i want to start because i feel like i have more things positive things to say than you do so okay. i you know i thought it was a good it gets a good pop project um i really did i really like a little nas's debut ep though like i like panini like uh rodeo like, i thought there's a lot of good tracks on his debut so i was really excited for the studio album and i think the first half there's a really good qualities in the production like there's strong horns that carry it it has like a very angelic sound mm-hmm. but i think that it kind of loses its way, especially towards the end, and just becomes like Little Nas being obsessed with the pull he has and just getting it everyone. Like there's Miley yeah, Cyrus feature, there's say. isn't there as um, an Elton John feature? Like it, it feels like these features aren't needed. I right? feel like so. this, listening to the album feels like I may as well just go to TikTok top sounds of 2021. And I'll right. get the album there. It's very repetitive too. <laughs> right? Like half of these tracks yes. here, like it's like it's like eighty percent chorus. Yeah. So, so and mean, maybe that's just the direction that pop music is heading in. Yeah, I mean, three but, out of ten for me on this. It's just like wow, I, I can just go to TikTok and listen to the album there. But I still think it's enjoyable. Like it's nah. there's good there's well curated sounds. It's fun. I, I'm not it's trying got to energy. listen. I'm not trying to listen to TikTok. I'm trying to listen to There was to a public story around it. There's a public story around it. Okay. So for me, I would give it a seven out of 10 or a six and a half out of 10. I really like Bro. this project. I think it's good. And, and, you know, I think you're hating on this project for the TikTok sounds a lot. But, you know, you did not say shit about the Drake project way too soon. Yeah, but that didn't blow up on TikTok nearly as much as this one did. But what are you talking about? Okay, way too sexy. I don't think even makes the cut in like top TikToks. It was up there, but there's been other songs that have gotten like more of a run on TikTok than way too sexy has. I think way too sexy positioned itself more as a radio hit than a TikTok hit. To mm-hmm. be quite honest with you, I'm not going to deny that it wasn't because it okay. certainly was. But I didn't see it pick up nearly as much steam. Maybe I'm just okay. on the wrong side of TikTok. Maybe my algorithm yeah. is broken. Maybe, maybe, but I don't know. I don't think it was three out of ten. I think that's very critical of this project. I think it's a good project. I don't think it's great, but I think it's got good moments. I'm I'm not shifting on my stance here. Okay, that's fine. So next up is uh, Expensive Pain with Meek Mill. So um, uh, none of it actually... No, that's not true. Some of it didn't enter my heavy rotation, actually. I really like the feature selections on the album. I think that was one of the sharing locations. Yeah. Um, yeah, sharing locations is phenomenal. That entered my heavy rotation. Mm-hmm. And I really like Meek Mill's delivery just in general, you know, fast, aggressive raps. Um, I right, love it's the, that battle rapper energy. Yeah, yeah, I love the sample of Hate Me Now by Nas on like the very first track. Uh-huh. I thought that was a great touch. Um, and my personal favorite, like I said, is sharing locations, which I think, I don't know what the sample is. I still need to find that, but it's a really cool sample. Um, and yeah, Meek Mill, I think the, this project as well as uh, championships, I think he's done a great job. He's not as much into the pop space as a lot of his contemporaries are, mm-hmm. but I, I think he puts out good music and he works with a lot of other really cool artists. So it's, it's nice to see those collaborations. Yeah, but I will say, I think that it does suffer from like battle rapper who makes album syndrome. Like, you know, it is almost yeah. solely just the aggress. Like there's not a lot outside of the aggressive rap sound and like the ear for samples to enjoy on this project. Like there are highlights, but I think that overall it's bloated, very forgettable. 
and I'm bored after just a few tracks. So for me, it's like a five and a half out of 10. I give it a it's, six. So we're almost in the it's same. Definitely. It's okay. It, it's not bad yeah, by any means, but it's, it's, it's definitely not. Yeah. So a couple of things. I mean, maybe a six is a little biased here, but that, that's just because uh, sharing locations is the one that I listen to a lot. And I think uh-huh. you know why. Yeah. A little baby. And Dirk. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Dirk is good on there too. Yes. So that, that's a lot of what carries it. So I think that's why it's like features. And I thought the feature with Kalani was also really good. So yeah. um, not going to not gonna deny that. I thought it was a solid project for the most part. Um, next one up we got is Sincerely Kentrell. So we're in like October now. We still got a decent yep. way to go. So like sit tight. We're still getting through here. I hope everyone is uh, entertained <laughs> at least. Um, we're almost like Probably after the CLB already. thing. Yeah. yeah. But um, Sincerely Kentrell. Um, so I'm not a heavy young boy listener, but... Um, my friend Ahmad, who was on the podcast almost a month ago, he is a huge Young Boy fan. He's listened to like his entire discography, so he's been uh, slowly putting me on over like the past like few weeks. And uh, there's a lot of Young Boy stuff that I actually do really like. I think my yeah. favorite—I'm still getting through his uh, projects right slowly. Um, right now, my favorite project by him is Top, which he dropped in 2020, mm-hmm. and. Sincerely, Kendrill, unfortunately, just doesn't hit the same mark as that album has for me, because like I said, I'm not a heavy listener, but I have listened to this all the way through. I have listened to Top all the way through, and I think that one was a much better project than this one. This project suffers from a lot of what projects are suffering from this. Year. It was very hard yeah, yeah. and hard for me to differentiate between the songs and like nothing really stood out to me. So it's hard for me to give this a four out of 10 just because it kind of came and went for me. I know I know and young boy fans are not going to be happy with me giving it that, but I think when you compare it to his other works, it's justified. Just because see, okay. top for me is more like a seven out of 10. Okay. So I see what you're saying, but I also think that there's like some rawness on this album. Well, every very... young boy album has that. Sure, sure. But I think it's done really well here too. And like tracks like Nevada, Hold Me Down. Like, and also he was in jail. Like this was released while he's in prison, right? That's so true. you have to like, there's definitely something going on here that, that is like, they're putting in work to get this pushed, right? To get this right, out. Right, but I don't know so, if that should affect my perception of it. I think that the narrative around it is at least interesting, though. Okay. Like, seeing how they, they put it together with him in prison, and then... But I agree it's bloated. It's hard to re-listen. No, I, a I lot agree of with all that. But if you, if you notice, like, a lot of the criteria I've listed here, it's the same for some other albums, but the difference on the other albums were that there were at least a song or two that ended up in my playlists. And that right. wasn't the okay. case here. See, for me, those tracks I listed did end up in my playlist. Okay. So I give it a six out of 10. Okay. That's fair. No, I, okay. I understand that. Just for me personally, it's like, I, I never came back to it. Right. So that's fair. That's fair. That, that's what, that's what it came down to for me. Um, well, that was quick. Uh, next one up. Okay. This is one I really want to talk about. So Life of a Dawn. Uh, this cracked my top five. This was number four on my list. Um, just such a great vibe and atmosphere going on on this project. I was just, I was really happy to see more R&B. The production's amazing. Production's yeah, great. Yeah, and I think he works really well in R&B tracks. Yes, he does. He, he can do both R&B and that like uh, rap very well. Um, Xscape, Flocky Flocky, Get Throwed, What You Need, Swinging on Westheimer. Those to name a oh, few. Swinging on Westheimer is amazing. Some of my favorite tracks on the album. I think I'll go far as to say this is Don Tolliver's best record to date. Like, you know, that may seem a little weird of a weird take, but the problem was that it didn't get the commercial recognition it deserved. And I'm still trying to break down why. I really so I think, think I just, know why. Yeah, it, it just comes down to poor promotion and Travis, I think, not doing enough, right, to get this project out there. And, and the fact that 
he was promoting this quite a bit, like teasing it with tweets and stuff, called Life of a Don coming soon. It was supposed to drop mm-hmm. in July, but then I think Kanye called him over to help out with Donda and work on Moon, and that kind of put everything on hold. And then Donda dropped. He's like, I'm not about to compete with Donda. He's like, oh, I'm not about to compete with CLB. I'm not about to compete with Baby Keem. Right. right? So it's almost like he held off, right? Um, maybe out of fear uh, to not have to compete with some of these other artists because maybe he didn't like how he dropped on the same day as Uzi with his first project in 2020. Mm-hmm. So maybe he wanted to like steer away from that. But at the same time, I think Travis did not do enough as like the head of Cactus Jack to really get people behind this project. And he finished a majority of his tour before this project dropped. So he yeah, wasn't really was able, he, he didn't really get to perform a lot of it. And we saw him live very up close. Yeah. And we even talked about this. It's like, yo, why did he barely perform songs off this album? Right. Why was he performing like Cardigan and Lemonade and like Backend, which is off Donnie Womack. For mm-hmm. He opening with After Party, right? You would think he would have opened with the Flocky Flocky but he opened with after party. Right. Right. So just, you know, it's interesting that even he's not fully embracing the album other than the title. He just keeps captioning it. Right. Right. So So I think, I think the big thing, the big reason why is it just lacks the amount of energy that his debut album had. That's true. Yeah. Cause after party was like a banger, you know what I mean? Right. And so because of that, I think it's, it's not as like widely recognized. People aren't sharing it as much because it is more low key. Right. Um, and I think that in some ways hurts it. I'm not going to say it hurts it a lot, mm-hmm. but I think it does hurt it a little bit. Yeah. And I, you know, for that, I would give it a seven and a half out of 10. I got great projects, great things to listen to, great mm-hmm. songs, but I do think it's not as high energy. Yeah. I mean, um, right. the way I see it, it's like even the singles, What You Need and Drugs and Hell and Melodies, they were like R&B, oh, right? Yeah, Pure R&B. Yeah. Good singles, by the way. I think he did. He had a good single selection. Um, but going back to like with Don Toller's promotion, I'm a bit worried. Uh, with the direction yeah. of his yeah. promotion where it's going because i think that there's no one making music like don toliver right now i, I agree i think he's super music or super unique and has his own lane and he definitely has a path to superstardom like the, there's definitely a way for him to get there but he needs to get put up more and this is the concern that i i bring up and i'm gonna ask you a question i'm gonna see if you can identify where i'm going okay. with this so um when we look at some of these labels, so I'm going to start with QC and TDE, right? QC out of Atlanta okay. and TDE. What it, and, and so put those in a subset. And let's put OVO and Cactus Jack and let's put EXO in another subset. What is it that those three have in common? And what is it that like, mm. um, that's different from what TDE and Cactus, uh, no, no, and QC, QC have in common? Yep. I think it, the argument is like, those are, from a rapper like they're mm-hmm. a rapper's offshoot mm-hmm. label versus the other ones are being ran by like mm-hmm. you know precisely yep. yeah yeah so it wasn't that difficult to figure out so you look at nope. TDE, <laughs> you look at tde and qc right qc is not run by the migos despite what a lot of people think like, right you know the, um you know i think it's uh i forgot what his name is like mr p or something like that whatever uh whatever his name is he's like the ceo and head of qc so he's the one who got the Migos on QC. He's the one who got Yachty. He's the one who got Lil Baby on QC. Same mm-hmm. with TD. You got Punch, right? Like he's gotten all these dudes, you know, including Hot Kendrick yeah. on onto TDE. And what's another commonality between TDE and QC? Well, TDE, yeah, you have Kendrick, who's like the face of the label and he's super successful, but you also have SZA 
who is right. very successful in R&B and another huge like in uh, like mainstream artist in the pop space and Control was like massively successful, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with the QC. It's like, yeah, Migos had their run. Lil Baby is now the most popular artist on QC, right? Yeah. So you have other artists who are able to become like very successful mainstream, like on these labels. On EXO and OVO and Cactus Jack, you got one guy and it's the label head. The weekend is always going to be the most popular. You know, Nav and Belly are never going to reach that level. OVO has tried to get guys like Party Next Door. Like there's been an, an attempt to get them elevation, but they've always been in the shadow. They've never really been able to break the mold, even though they have had like a very big following and been pretty popular. And same thing that we're seeing with Cactus Jack. My concern is that I don't want Don Tolliver to turn into a party next door or like a Maja right. Jordan because both Maja Jordan and party next door were insanely popular when they first started with OVO. But right? they, they lost it because they promotion. lost it. I don't want Don Tolliver to lose that the same way. And yeah. I feel like he's at risk of losing it if he continues down the same path and Cactus Jack isn't able to carve their own lane for him. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And it's mm-hmm. definitely something you know, as a fan, I'm concerned about, and it's worth keeping our eyes on. I don't know if we're ever going to see like a successful imprint like that Mm -mm. from one of these labels. Yeah. I mean, that's precisely why The Weeknd chose not to sign with OVO because I think he saw uh, further ahead in that, like, you know, this is not going to work out and probably the better best decision for him because like, I mean, he, he's just as successful. I mean, you can argue even a bigger artist than Drake right now in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right. So worked out for him, but I really hope it works out for Don Tolliver. I hope yeah, that he doesn't same, end same. up like a lot of these other people because he's just too talented. He, he's yeah. way more talented than party next door in my opinion. So, you know, fall into this lane, but let's jump into the next one. Uh, so now we're, we're very more recent now. So with punk is the next mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I know we kind of panned this when it first came out, right? Uh, so for me, you know, I still, I still really, really enjoyed the direction the first six tracks were going in, like that, the guitars, the production. Like I think it's just, you know, I really enjoy it. Peeping out the window had huge potential, but I just think that the, you know, after those first like few tracks, the album just falls off so hard. There's mm-hmm. no direction. It seems like they just threw everything they could on here. There's the Juice World thing. There's the uh, is it fun? Is that the is that the guy who's singing on that one song? I don't even remember, dude. I, I don't haven't remember. revisited this album in oh. a while. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, there's there's all kinds of messes with not even the back half, like the back three fourths of the project. But you know, I don't think I've warmed up to it anymore. Even the song with Drake and Travis never took off. Yeah, yeah, it's like maybe a four and a half out of ten because I do oh, yeah. think that there's a lot of potential in that first. Yeah, part. I gave this album but, a four as well. I thought the album was yeah. boring. It lacked cohesion, and Young Thug just simply didn't deliver the vibe and energy that we thought probably we were one get. Of the biggest disappointments of the year. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, after I heard the single TikTok, I thought it was actually going to be a really fun project, but that song wasn't even on the album and it's not mm-hmm. what the album sounded like. It's almost like he misled us. Right. Yeah. He was like, Oh, this is going to be a more rock inspired album. And it didn't feel that way. So, right. And yeah. Disappointing. I would rather listen to slime language for crying out loud. I thought yeah. that had better young thug performances than this. So it's unfortunate, but um, I'm sure that he'll rebound with something. Oh yeah. Good. He still has that superstar. He's, he's still, so, he still he's has so versatile and just like makes like, yeah. like music in such a unique lane that, He'll be back. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but thankfully the next project up i really did like it cracked my top five believe it or not and a lot of people were surprised with this one but maja jordan's wildest dreams and it's funny because we were just talking about maja jordan being like yep. in the shadow a little bit but i thought that this project was really good for them i gave this a seven out of ten um they hadn't put out a new record for a while so it was refreshing to see a whole new project for them it was a lot more energetic and upbeat than some of the offerings they have in their past and i think they did a really good job mixing it up a little bit through their features i mean they had like sway lee and drake on here which is really good mm -hmm. and they had better production than i think they've had in the past it was just a little bit more well put together um and i really liked the content and the lyrics and just the overall like it's it's a really feel good album right like it makes i, just feel I agree good. feel good listening yeah. to it like dancing on a dream stars align waves of blue were some of my favorite songs we saw them at day in vegas they did a really good job had a much bigger crowd than we expected right despite being yeah. right before post malone um I really liked it. And I, I thought that day in Vegas uh, show gave them a lot of good exposure. And I think they are kind of on the map again, a little bit with this. Uh, and in contrary to what I said about OVO and not really featuring this, uh, their artist much, they did get the Monday night football feature, right. With stars align. Right. Right. So it's not like they're uh, nobodies. It's just, you don't have many like diehard fans of their music. Right. And I think that's, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying, but it's, you know, it's a good project. I won't say it's a bad project, but it's just the fact that it's kind of run of the mill, this feel good pop R&B yeah. space that I think has been done before. Oh, of course. I think it's been done better before. It's just so in my top me, five just because it's out. like a, it's a feel good album that I just enjoy listening to. And I listen to it a lot. So I agree. It's good. I, I think five, it's yeah. a seven out of 10. Mm -hmm. I agree. But I thought there were projects that rated higher for me this year. Yeah. And I didn't think it was anything outstanding, but it was definitely really good. Like it yeah. was a it, there's no i cannot find a single flaw on this project but i cannot I mean, find a single like high-ranking thing that i want to like laud this project for that's actually a great segue into the next one actually lines perfectly evening with silk sonic um so a very well produced album from two phenomenal oh, yeah, artists yeah. right and you can argue that this project and the last one you can compare them very closely yes, to each other yes. it's like a very similar type of music and similar vibe but this one is just a little bit better right this Obviously, one's more like, like 70s yeah, throwback so, r&b yeah again very enjoyable to listen to short and sweet like it's just feel good music and very consistent again, yeah it, this almost cracked my top five i mean this was definitely like another go-to for me just to like chill and relax right it's just a great mm -hmm. like record to listen to all in one go but I do think that this project was hurt by its promotion a little bit. I think the singles were so good compared to mm -hmm. the rest of like, by the time that we got the project, we had already heard the best singles. We heard Skate, Leave the Door Open. That like, is true. But I think it's better overall. Like, I think it's a seven and a half out of 10. Yeah. I just don't think it was, I was kind of expecting a 10 out of 10 from the promo because like, mm -hmm. I was like, dang, if these are the singles, what's the project? I actually be? gave this an eight out of 10 just because like R&B was pretty limited this year. And I think, this was probably the best R&B record we got. So um, Don Tolliver, I, I don't classify it as fully R&B because it's like in a hybrid space. And I think it's he, in has, a space. Yeah. he has more hip hop fans than R&B fans. So sure, even sure. though he makes like R&B music, I think his fan base gravitates more towards hip hop. And that's, that's why you see when people are moshing to what you need, right? Right. Just a, just a very different type of artist, you know? Next one up here. Uh, I put you on this guy very recently, Nardo Wick. Uh, so- oh. He's not from Atlanta. He's actually from Jacksonville, but that is the lane that he is in. Um, I will, it, I'm not going to deny the fact that his song, like Who Wants Smoke with G Herbo in 21, yeah, yeah. it blew up off of TikTok largely. So that's where he got recognized. But 
I think he capitalized on that very well because the yeah. rest of the album has it's good. Dominant, he has a song Me or Some with Future and Lil Baby, which I really like. Um, he's definitely up and coming in this Atlanta street genre, uh, even though it, the album was very raw and he has a lot of you can tell he has a lot of room for improvement because I think his production, it was just like, you know, these very hard, aggressive, like great, good sounding, like trap beats. Mm -hmm. um, but he repeats a lot of words and kind of just says whatever on some yeah. of the songs. Um, he had one really uh, weird lyric on who wants smoke. It, it wasn't <laughs> it something like my choppa gay. Cause it blows people or something yep, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, when people are doing stuff like that, you can tell they it's, got, room it's kind of corny, but it's fun. Like it's there's an energy funny. about him. I really enjoyed listening to this. Yeah. You, you're right. You just told me like, check yeah. this project out. I knew the who wants smoke thing off of TikTok, mm -hmm. Right. Of course. But I think that the, the project itself has a very fun energy. Yeah. And so, yeah, I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, six, six and a half out of, out of 10. Six out of 10 for me on Nardowick. Uh, project's called Who is Nardowick, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but I think he's someone to watch over the next yes. few years because he's I, only I 19. He's only 19 and he's already gotten features from like 21 and Little Baby in Future, right? So he, he's in that like space of connections, yeah. right? So yeah. uh, definitely interested to see what happens. And I wouldn't be surprised if he got some festival gigs for next year, maybe as like some one of the lower end artists. So right. we'll see what's in store from him uh tory lane's alone at prom so we're on the last mm. three now here we're we're in december here now anardowick was the first project from december um alone at prom uh album has a really good vibe but as a diehard fan of the weekend who really loves the direction that he's taken with the synths and 80s inspired music and that he's going to continue on the dawn i can't it's hard for me to like uh find value in this just because it seems like a less effective repurposing of that sound right right I it doesn't have agree. any replay value for me it's an enjoyable listen and i know a lot of people have like have some songs they like on this project but there's nothing that just keeps me coming back to this project as someone who's anticipating the dawn so like heavily yeah i, I completely agree like it, there's like moments where i'm like this sounds like a straight rip on the weekend sound mm -hmm. i didn't revisit this project at all and Tory Lanez yeah. is just so auto-tune heavy. I know? agree. Like, that's just, like, yeah. I feel like there's other people who could do what he's doing. And do it better. Maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So six out of 10 for me on this project, just because six I thought it had 10. a good vibe. Yeah, I thought it had a good vibe. Uh, I give it a four out of 10. Okay. I think there's maybe no I'm, a, I'm, I'm respecting it a little bit more because I do appreciate the synth sound. I just think he's kind of just not sure, the person sure. I want to hear doing it right now. Sure. Mm -hmm. So Juice World's project, Fighting Demons, the posthumous oh, release. Um, unfortunately, the quality of these posthumous releases just keeps going down, man. It's hard for me to find anything particularly notable in this just because like they're starting to not be put together very well and all the good stuff that could be put out already has for the most part. So five yep. out of 10 for me on this one. I thought it was just cool. Another Juice World project, right? Right. I agree. Like, you know, there's definitely like for hardcore fans or something to listen to about how they put this together. But I think that they're doing it more of a disservice than not. Yeah. Because it seems like they're stretching his back catalog thin in ways really that are. it wasn't intended to be. Yeah. Right? They're trying to just get as much out there as they like can. The I think there's going to be one more. There's still going to be one more. Yeah. I know. And I'm not excited for it. <laughs> That's unfortunate. But I'm sure if you're a hardcore fan, you, you know, you're happy to have more juice music. So I can see the build to some people. But for me, yeah, it's a four out of 10. Yeah, no, I agree. Five, or, well, five out of 10 for me. So we're almost in the same lane there. Yeah. Last yeah. one up. Uh, so now we're basically at the present day. So we were talking about this uh, two weeks ago. We did a whole episode on it. Live Life Fast, Roddy Rich. Some new developments, though. I didn't I didn't mention this in the news at the beginning. Because oh, I think man. It's, it, I wanted to talk about it at the end. 
Live Life Fast sold 65,000 units. Um, that is less than Trip at Night. That yeah. is, this is coming from an artist who had one of the biggest viral hit of 2019 with over a billion streams with the box. And this album should have gotten at least 200 or one, maybe not 200, but 150. This should have done at least 150 for an artist at the caliber that Roddy Rich, like at, at, that we see him at, at this point. Right. Um, this is one of the biggest flops that I've ever seen, to be quite honest with you. The bag like 65,000. Yeah, he fumbled the bag with this one. And uh, frankly, it's scary because this to me signals that if he doesn't fix it, he's going to fall off. Yeah. You know, like 100%. this is very, very dangerous for someone like Roddy Rich, who had like two hit singles, like especially with the box that did a billion. He's falling that that he's falling down that dangerous path right now. I think Life <laughs> of a Dawn outsold this project. Oh, and sure. Life, yeah. And Life of a Dawn that this is coming from an artist who we're talking about who wasn't positioned well um, in Cactus Jack. And he outsold an artist who is writing his own destiny. And should be selling in the hundreds of thousands and instead right. fell like a, a third short of what he should be selling. Right. And, you know, I, I don't think my opinions changed on this very much because it's only been like a week or two yeah. weeks since this came out. I said six um, out of ten originally. It dropped to five out of ten because I have not listened to the project much at all in the past yeah. two weeks. I, I I think I initially came with the five out of ten and I'm keeping it there. Okay. like Because it, it's just like he's he's just trying to bite this like popular Atlanta rap sound that everyone's doing. But he has a lane. He could do well, right? Yeah, like and that was another piece of news. He actually look at pure I, souls. I, I woke yeah. up this morning and I saw a headline that said Roddy Rich is gonna drop "Feed the Streets" three in twenty twenty two. So I think he's aware of what's happening, and I think he wants hopefully. to. Hopefully, hopefully he's able to bounce back because I'm worried for him. I mean, I think he's this isn't yeah, it. This project. I think he's pretty it. talented. I mean, it would be unfortunate if he fell off, but he's risking it right now. So, right. All right. Well, that rounds off our album. That was a long our album list. I mean, that was a long episode. I hope yeah. everyone stuck around and listened to all those takes. Definitely let us know if you agree, disagree, or if we miss something, right? Let us know and we can like maybe drop a story and like rate it or something like that. Because mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. obviously it's impossible for us to get through everything. We're only able to get through what we listen to and uh, um, so that we can actually have a good opinion on the, those projects and that music. Uh, but you know, 2022 is right around the corner. Hope everyone's ha ha enjoying their holidays, had a good Christmas and happy new year in advance. You know, when we got like a couple of days left in 2021, um, yes, we'll be, we'll be back soon, probably in like a week with another episode. Um, and we'll talk about, you know, do a complete 2022, 2022. Yep. what are we looking forward to and what our expectations are for that. So thanks everyone who's been a part of our community for this year and, uh, looking forward to continuing it with this next calendar year coming up. Hope you guys have a good one.